He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. Hail Sithis. Sorry. Oh my God. I mean, I guess Hail Sithis too, right? Well, it depends on if you join the Dark Brotherhood or not. Who doesn't join? Like, who really? Like, let's be real. Who doesn't join the Dark Brotherhood? Uh, I was playing a good guy run, so I did not join the Dark Brotherhood. Wow. I, hey, so I killed the lady who tries to recruit you. Oh, Astrid or whatever. Hey, so if you. You've played Oblivion, right? And so for people that don't know what we're talking about, we probably should start there. We're talking about Skyrim, so like Elder Scrolls, uh, joining the Dark Brotherhood quest. Um, have you played Oblivion? I have not, no. Um, okay. Now that it's on Game Pass, I, I want to go back and do uh, Oblivion and then whatever the one before Oblivion was, even though I'm sure that has not aged well at this point. Um, Morrowind has not aged well. Yeah, no, Morrowind. Yeah. Yeah, it's not I mean it's not it's tough. It's a we can get off on offline we'll talk about that a little more, but so basically um Yeah, I just wanted to make a play, like a quick pun joke about yeah. like how Slithis sounds like Sithis. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't expect to derail us <laughs> moments into no. this. Yes. <laughs> well, uh if you haven't guessed it, you're uh tuning into the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror theme podcast. And also sometimes the- uh Bethesda RPG podcast. Yeah. And sometimes Todd Howard podcast. Uh where we cover movies from the uh 80s, 90s, and now 70s. So insert weird guitar music. Like the the funk like in the end. I mean you can insert that. You have the power. Uh I could. The uh, yeah, so the, I I just like the like however long we've been doing this podcast, you've always said, you know, is sometimes seventies, sometimes nineties or whatever, but like primarily eighties, and like we finally just now have gotten into the seventies, gone to the yeah. nineteen seventy eight. It's like twenty some episodes in, we're finally there. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> we made it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, so today we are covering. Spawn of Slithis or Slithis. I, I think it's hard to tell. Like the movie itself called says Spawn of Slithis, so I, I guess that's the actual title. On the title uh, card, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you had any like trivia for that or why it's called Slithis other places, or is it just people don't want to type spawn of? Uh I don't really know. Like there's not a lot of trivia about this, like in the IMDB trivia, and the stuff that's there does not address the spawn of, of Slithis thing. But I don't think that it's an issue like with remember the George Romero thing with um with Night of the Living Dead how it was originally called like I think that they the they first called it Night of Anubis and then like that's too obscure and then I think they mm-hmm. called it Night of the Flesh Eaters and that was like the title that I believe they registered it under like the copyright and then they changed Night of the Living Dead but never updated the copyright and that's why that movie fell into the public domain pretty much immediately yeah, awesome. I there's no similar story to this. So I I think that it's just like because the poster says Slithis, everyone calls it Slithis, but I think the actual title is Spawn of the Slithis. Crazy. Well, uh 
folks, this is going to be your favorite segment uh, while you're here. Uh, it's the reason for the season. It is the trivia section of our game. Uh, so last week, we did, we kind of changed a little bit. We did the taboo, like the movie taboo. And I gave Stefan four hints, and he guessed. So the hints were paranormal, ghost, haunted, and the year of the movie was 2013. And what was your guess? Uh, after running around a couple of movies from the same era, I think I settled on The Conjuring, if I'm not mistaken. You did, and unfortunately, it was Ghostbusters. Sorry. It was not Ghostbusters. No, it was The Conjuring. It, and I couldn't believe, like, you you absolutely nailed it, too. Uh, and I deleted most of that uh, footage, most of that uh, audio. Oh, of um, me, like, you following my mind as I tried to f- figure out what it could be? No, like the me telling you, you got it. And then there was a solid 20 minutes of us talking about it afterwards. It was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, so I, uh, I'm i actually impressed. Like, So like, I think you're, you're like what, four for five or three for four? I think the only one I missed was the first the one. The first one. Yeah. yeah. The, Which that was a tough one. Yeah, Dr. Terror's um, House of Horrors or whatever it was called. I, yeah, I can't remember. It's going to haunt you. <laughs> but no I, I think uh I, i'm just shocked sometimes that you're able to get because like for people listening i something like in the first episode i edited out a lot of thinking time and to make it sound like that you know so you're not sitting here with dead air for two minutes but the last one I, you got that in like probably maybe 30 seconds 40 seconds so yeah kudos to you i just had to work through it in my mind yeah because i knew that like insidious palace. was a little earlier <clears throat> so I figured it had to be so, part of that conjuring universe. So I just went with the conjuring. Why not? That was a good call. Cause like you could have done what was Annabelle's the other one that kind of fits that too. So yeah, um, I was thinking Annabelle, but like, I don't like the Annabelle movie, the first one. And yeah. I know, I knew it wouldn't be Annabelle creation. And then like there's Annabelle, the beginning, I think there's two different Annabelles that came afterwards that are better than the very first Annabelle. So but I knew it couldn't be that in 2013 because those movies are more recent than that. So, right. Well, fascinating so, stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. So this, uh, no one in the audience will be seated as I describe my Annabelle thought process. Yeah, we have to. If you're driving, please pull over. Yeah, sure oh, geez. Yeah, <laughs> we're not responsible for. You're gonna cause a pile up on 28. <laughs> not not um, 28. They can't handle it. 28. No. I swear to God, I I don't I can't remember a time in my life that that road hasn't been under construction. <laughs> like th- like think about it. I I literally can't because I, I even remember we used to go to Pittsburgh uh, as a kid and I remember when the buildings were along the side of twenty eight like on the right hand side when you're going southbound um, there was like an auto garage and stuff there so some houses yeah pretty pretty wild times but uh so this week uh, or this episode we. <laughs> You are here for our uh, traffic update in Pittsburgh. Yeah, this uh, is our Pittsburgh. 28, themed. still under construction now, decades later. Dude, I bet you we get three episodes out of that, I think. We could do some interviews. I, th- I think there was a time where they get, when uh, like I lived there, because when I lived in like uh, Glenshaw, um, like outside like Etna kind of. Um, so yeah. there's a time, I think, where at least that section of 28 was done being under construction for like three days. <laughs> And then they started doing more, and I was like, "Oh man, we get to really enjoy the smooth traffic pattern very briefly." Yeah, 
what a time to be alive. Yeah, I know. It's it just like it's so never mind. Anyways, uh so this week we have a we're going back to trivia. I, I found a good one. I think this is gonna I don't think it's gonna stump you, but it's gonna make you think a little bit. Cool. Um and I'm not gonna be picky on the name. No. That's a that's a little hint, but you'll you'll understand why. So you ready for this? Oh yeah, I'm the readiest I've ever been. Which 2007 found footage movie involves a virus turning people into cannibals in Barcelona. Oh, 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 um. Uh, what was the actual, like, the original title? Because I'm thinking of Quarantine was the American remake. Correct. Uh, Wreck, I believe. Um, R-E-C, and then in, like, brackets or something like that. Okay. So that's so what your gonna, guess is Wreck? Yeah, I'm going to say Wreck. I'm, I'm, I Locking it in? Final answer? Final answer, Regis. Locking it in. You wanna f- you're not going to phone a friend? Uh, no. No, that would be weird, I feel like, if I just, like, did a phone call while we're doing a recording. You know what? That's actually a good idea. All right. Well, maybe in the future we'll do, like, a quick phone call here. Like, we're a damn, like, morning radio DJ show. Like, we're, like, doing pranks like, and shit. <laughs> we shouldn't call our friends. We should call, like, a, like a car garage or, like, our senator or something. Like, you yeah, know I mean? because everyone knows that we uh, record our podcast during hours when those places will answer you. What car garage is going to answer me at 10 p.m. on a Sunday? <laughs> the kind you go to. Uh, no, I go to my local Monroe because they, they've always treated me very well there. <laughs> Shout out to Monroe in Westview. Shout out. Unpaid sponsor. <laughs> By the way, the second wreck, I think it's the Mm -hmm. second wreck, has one of the most gruesome scenes that I've ever seen in my entire life. There's like this lady with like a massive like, like she like is like all like emaciated, but like with like really long limbs and like a huge mouth. Dude, yes. I remember that. Yeah. that. I think I watched that with you, didn't I? I am sure you might have. Yeah. No, actually... Maybe I'm almost. I'm almost positive. Are you sure we you're not thinking of? Um, okay, so I thought you might have been thinking of something we watched as adults, mm-hmm. um, which was the taking of Deborah Logan. Dude, that was wild. Which do you remember that one? So there was a scene yeah, in that dude, where the I lady like unhinges her jaw and is like eating yeah. the girl and stuff. What a movie, dude! Like taking of Deborah Logan. I'm. I want to really yeah. watch that. That thing is crazy. Yeah, I actually, I went. Um, what year was that taking? I want to say it was probably the early to mid 2010s. 14. 14, yeah. Okay, so I was about right there. Yeah. So I I remember. I I actually I don't know why I saw that in theaters. I don't, I don't even know who I saw that in theaters with. Um you saw the taking been... of Deborah Logan in theaters? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did not see that one in theaters for sure. Yeah, cuz you and I watched that when we lived together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You remember Drag Me to Hell? I do remember Drag Me to Hell, yeah. Dude, that one was fucking wild. That was a good one too. Same same kind of setup with the old lady. Yeah, Sam Raimi. It's a good yeah, it's a good one. I, I don't know how well it's aged since it like deals with like a basically a Romani curse. <laughs> but but yeah, that was a good movie too. A lot of hard G's. Yeah, they yeah, they say they use the that term. Um Yeah. So unfortunate. That's kind of like why um the Stephen King or Richard Bachman novel Thinner. Uh, has not aged well because that also deals with the idea of like a Romani curse and it's like 
it's actually a pretty good book if you can get past the <laughs> the uh, the uh, curse of it all. <laughs> the, the idea right. that like certain groups of people have mystical power. It's <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah, but that's kind of like, I mean, that's, that's still pretty prevalent, like in a lot of cultures still, I just feel like the derogatory words are like we, cause a lot of people say like stuff that would offend Romani people like daily. Um, like we, you know, we have common terms of, I'm not going to say them, but like that are outwardly offensive to that group of people. Um, but like, I, I feel like that mysticism and like that supernatural power uh is prevalent in a lot of like um eastern european cultures even italian cultures so pretty interesting yeah dude let me tell um, you uh, a lot of italian people believe in catholicism how wild is that oh dude well i was gonna leave all this in you want to keep that in there too <laughs> no i mean we do whatever you want to do i just i i don't care they don't they're fine they no I, I don't have like okay, so what I now it's dude they've like, had they've had a couple hundred years. Yeah, to Catholicism's get, get had its day. Like, let me have a yeah. one joke about it. Yeah, like you know what the whole uh, Talk about the great yeah great schism. It's like I won't even make a joke about their molestation scandals. I'll just keep it at Jesus the idea that Christ. it's a bunch of weird traditions. Oh, you went there. I didn't go there. I said I will not go there. Are you saying yeah, that by saying I won't go there is basically going there? That's one of my favorite Gilbert Godfrey jokes <laughs> ever. Is yeah. When he's saying like Bob Saget, like did not kill and murder seven people, you you don't joke I'm talking about. No, <laughs> I don't know Gilbert Gottfried's that, stand-up. Well, no, I was. I don't. It might not even been Gilbert Gottfried. I'm pretty sure it was him though. Um, was it like the Bob it, Saget roast on Comedy Central or something? Yeah, it was. And and they're like, yeah. And he was just on. He was up there and just basically was like saying all these horrible things that he didn't do, but he would like emphasize the horrible stuff. It was pretty He did good. not do that. I think I do remember that bit. Was that Gilbert Gottfried? I'm I'm almost positive it was, but yeah, I, I, I love that. I think that's so funny. It's like, I will not bring up this scandal. And it's like, ooh. So when I say that I'm not going to bring it up, I'm effectively yeah. bringing it up. Yeah. That's but great. acting like I'm Solid. taking the high road. Yeah. So how much great. of this is going to stay in the show? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I, it's game time decision, my man. That's awesome. Good luck to you, it. sir. Probably mo- Probably most of it. Yeah, I think that most of it you can probably I don't keep really in. Care. Yeah. But uh um, Yeah, well, speaking of uh outdated cultural references, let's talk about Slithus. Uh What? What's this? Where are you already coming out? That one scene, dude. That one scene. I couldn't believe that that even was even written into the movie. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I assume you're talking about the turtle race. No. What? <laughs> okay, well, no, not well, the, not uh, the turtle race. Well, Okay. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to talk about it when we get to it? Like the turtle race? No, yeah, it, I want to talk I want to talk about the turtle race now. Right now? Okay, was Slithus a turtle? No. No. Are you sure? He had a shell. He had a carapace. Kind of. Yeah, but he was Yeah. Well, okay, so the a big part of the plot of the movie is uh, like understanding what it is and how it came to be. Okay, fucking Steve Irwin. So we're, a getting a, we're getting ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but the idea is that the Slithis takes the the um the form of what it yeah it, it takes on the attributes of things that are near it that are around it right so I think it's yeah. just like an amalgamation of different sea creatures like you saw that it had like weird tendrils on its back and it had like a little beak like carapace that could have been from like a you know a, a possibly from a squid or something 
and that it did have kind of a shell, like maybe like a crab-like shell, but it had like webbed digits and claws. So I just assume that it's just like a like you put it in a blender, and you this is what David came Attenborough out. over here. I mean, you're the one over here saying was Slith is a turtle. I'm like, no, unlikely. <laughs> he doesn't unlikely. seem very turtle-like in most respects. Yeah. Well, before we get into uh, the machinations of what Slithus is, uh, could you uh, possibly get into the cast and crew? Do you want to do the cast and crew? Okay. Is there, is there any housekeeping you wanted to do at the top of the thing, or do you want to do the you housekeeping at the end? Yeah, I'll do it at the end, because we don't have a lot going on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, uh, Double Threat, the writer and director, is Steven Traxler. Um, he's had a few different roles in a few different productions. So like um, for as a like director of a feature, the only other director credit he has is Sam Churchill colon search for a homeless man, which came out in 1999. Uh, but he mm-hmm. was assistant director on a minor miracle mannequin, Dracula's widow tryst, and then legally blonde Two red, white and blonde, <laughs> which I feel like legally blonde Two has come up before. So I'm very curious about what was going on with legally blonde Two. And uh, horror movie directors. Um, but he's also got like a production manager credit on uh, Looking to Get Out, A Minor Miracle, Invasion USA. Not the first time Invasion USA's come up either. Uh, no. Thunder Run, Dracula's Widow, Trist, uh, Waterworld, Mikhail's Navy, Wind Talkers, and Out of Time. Um, I had I to love, put. I love Mikhail's Navy. What? It was. Okay. What is that? Is that. It's with Tom Arnold. Is that a Tom Arnold movie? It makes no sense. Is, is, yeah, Tim Curry's in it. It's great, dude. It's such a good movie. Is Kelsey Grammer in that? No, that's uh, you're thinking of Down Periscope. Oh, I am thinking of Down Periscope, which is yeah. probably the first time those words have been uttered in a decade. Why do I know so much about uh, submarine and na- naval movies? Uh, Bruce Campbell is in um, this in Mikhail's Navy too. Um, <laughs> So. Yeah, why do you know so much about like? Oh man, give me Fre- my maritime comedy films from the yeah, mid French, to late nineties. French Stewart, <laughs> uh, Dean Stockwell, Ernest Borgnine's in it. Um, I mean, you know, we love French. Stewart David Alan Greer guys, is so. in this. Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing, um, really interesting. Yeah, the, I'm telling you, Mikhail's Navy. It's got a four and a half out of ten, which is a crime. So, what does down? Should, what does down Periscope have? Oh, that's actually a good poll. Let's look. I actually like that movie too. 1996 Down Periscope, 6.2 out of 10. Yo, 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 yo. So, so, okay, Down Periscope. Rob Schneider. Uh, Down Periscope came out the year before Mikhail's Navy. Even though I know Mikhail's Navy was based off of a longer running, older TV show. But Down Periscope kind of torn. Ate, its, ate its lunch, dude. It got, it got in there and yeah, scooped them. It, <laughs> it definitely did. Yeah, it's got William H Macy. Jesus, this, this is a cast. What are you talking? Are you talking about uh, Down Periscope? Yeah, Rip Torn. This Harlan really Williams. got away from us. <laughs> I mean, like, hey guys, just give you a heads up. Most of the other people didn't do much, so we got to fill. We got to fill it somehow. So, if I got to talk about naval maritime movies, I will. So maritime comedies, yeah, from the yeah. from the mid to late nineties. Perfect. Um, okay, well. If there's anything else you want to say about Down Periscope, do it now because I'm moving on because I'm done. Well, Mikhail's Navy is really, really the, the, you know, because I could talk about Mikhail's Navy for a while. Why? Tim Curry in the 
freaking they've got like this crazy like stealth boat dude that movie is so good wait a uh, minute so ernest borgdine was in the original tv series so he's the only returning cast member from the original tv series that was in the 1997 movie uh dean stockwell wasn't in it i don't know i i, I thought that's he what was. i mean that's what wikipedia just told me i mean i guess you can't I trust wikipedia it. considering the fact that i've edited things in wikipedia. no you can't do that anymore hey so for our listeners um uh who was the the more rocks bitches guy giles Corey. yeah i tried to go in and edit that and put more rocks bitches and it flagged it are you so sure you though? Have, because I I remember I saw uh, like a weird note on that whatever the new Castlevania series was, the um the new one that came out. You know the one I'm talking about, the new Castlevania anime. Yeah, I but I don't think you can swear. There's a there's like a profanity oh, okay. filter. Yeah, because that one like someone put like in like the reception section they put. But true fans of Castlevania will understand that the like whatever that Belmont was would not need to use magic because he was such a good fighter. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like someone right. is like upset about the fact that like he was using magic and is clearly just somebody like putting their own note in there. Well, it just freaks me out that Alucard looks like Michael Jackson from Thriller, and I just can't not see it. Like unsee it, I mean. I don't agree with you. God, French Stewart's in here. Wait, French this Stewart. Is you already brought this up is French Stewart. Navy. Yeah, you've already brought up I French did? Stewart. Yeah, stop bringing good. up French Stewart. We we love Brian Haley. We love French Stewart on this podcast, but that doesn't mean we have to talk about him twice. Fair, that's fair. Although he was in one of the Inspector Gadget movies and Third Rock from the Sun. Great show. He was. Henry Cho's in this. Like, there's a lot of really good people in Mikhail's Navy and Down Periscope. All right, we need to move on. So here we are quickly. in the the Mikhail's Navy and Down Periscope Appreciation Podcast. Hey, I 100% would do a late 80s to early 2000s like comedy action movie spit like, you know, there were so many that that came out of like the SNL cast crew, especially Adam Sandler. Like and I'm not talking about his like Happy Gilmore productions, I'm talking about or uh Happy Madison productions. I'm talking about like um like Bulletproof uh, Airheads, stuff like that. Oh yeah, Airheads is a good movie. Yeah. So if you want that, let me know. We'll make it happen. Like if I do, or if like the listeners do. The listeners. Okay. I mean, if you do. I mean, look, there's two routes here. If you want to do it, I'll do it. If they want to do it, I'll do it. So. Yeah, and then the first movie, Mikhail's Navy, all the way. Yeah, you're really you're really loading your dice here. <laughs> but I swear to God, I would do it. <laughs> Like, it's like that meme. It's like uh, one like and I'll do this. And then you like the thing. Yeah. Well, 1, <laughs> Say no likes more, fam. Yeah. No, it's just like one like. It's like one like and I'll start a like like a 90s comedy movie podcast. And then you like it. And it's like, say no more, fam. If one person even remotely gives me feedback, even if it's a please don't do that, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm unhinged. You clearly. All right, we yeah, we're taking too long. All right, so music, uh Steve Zuckerman. Um decent clutch of items here. Cinderella 2000, Summer Camp, uh Winnie the Pooh discovers the seasons, uh, Simon the Lamb, uh Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Deep Space 9 Crossroads of Time on the Sega Master Drive. There's a game. 100 episodes of DuckTales. <laughs> uh Kazam, the uh the King and I, the animated movie. Uh, three to tango 
Mercenaries, the PS2 game, if you remember Mercenaries. Yeah, that was so good. There was actually a song from that soundtrack that I put on my party playlist at the fraternity house when I was in college. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the uh, mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. He only had one episode. So I thought it was funny that he went back to Winnie the Pooh. So, yeah. Uh, this dude's kind of all over the place. I think that probably Slithis is the only horror thing he did, but there's a lot of weird stuff in his in his CV here. So, um, sure is. Next up, they didn't have a special effects like team, at least not credited as such. So I just went with the makeup department people. Uh, it was uh, Penny Gottlieb and Kathy Lober, and this is it for both of them. No other, no other credits. So. There you go. A little appreciation for them, assuming that they're probably involved in the makeup that created the creature, I would assume. Um, so I was going to get into that later with the when we get into the uh, judgment categories, but I have some I have some strong thoughts about this. About what? Like the all of the the visual effects and stuff, like the character creations, the prosthetics and stuff. Ooh, should be exciting. Yeah, put a pin in that. Because, like, I think I, I well, because there were there were there were art, there was an art department. There was an art department, yeah. But they were only set designer. It's really weird. Yeah, I, it's I, really I hard even, to tell yeah. from the credits who was actually responsible for the creature thing. And in fact, right. I think that uh, Penny Gottlieb, one of the two makeup department people was specifically costuming but like would the costume include the creature's costume because it was like a dude in a suit like yeah i don't know it's kind of hard to tell all right but anyways uh that's it that was all i had really for like the the crew now i'm gonna get into the cast was there anyone else on the crew that you wanted to call out before i move on to the cast no i think that that's good for me okay uh, first up is wayne connors our main character who i kind of think sucks uh, as played by Alan Blanchard, uh, this movie and then foes are his only two credits on IMDb. So, uh, you know, if you want to watch his entire filmography, we you already did half of it, 50% of it done. <laughs> uh, next up is his wife, Jeff Connors. <laughs> it's played by Judy Matulski. Did you get thrown off by the fact that her name is Jeff? Yeah, because th- they make a reference to it one time in the movie, and I thought he was just being a dick. When it, when it's like, uh, it's like, whoa, why they call it Slithis? And he's like, I don't know, why did your parents name you Jeff? It's just what you name yeah, something. Yeah, it's like, so weird. It's like, but yeah, actually, why did her parents name her Jeff? I would really like to know that. Um, I mean, there's nothing in the rule book that says you can't just name a kid any name. But I'm just saying, if I saw Jeff Connors and it was a woman's name, I would be thrown off. Uh, she had uh, a couple of credits, uh, Idaho Transfer, The Big Bus, and then one episode of The Waltons. And that's like all I had for her. <laughs> but now we're going to heat it up a little bit. We got someone with a with a pretty big uh, resume here. It's none other than Dr. John, as played by Dennis Fault. Now, he has a lot of like, uh, he has like some bit roles, like live action roles. So like The Wild Bunch, Carrie, Grease, Virus, those were all live action. But then he starts getting into like voiceover stuff from TV shows and from uh, from like anime and from video games. So it's like Ultraman 80, um, Return of Godzilla, Godzilla 1985, which are the same movie. Just Godzilla 1985 was like the reworked version they released in America the next year. 
uh, he played a Soviet uh, submarine captain in that. So that was like the only other live action thing for the most part, I believe. And then I think it's all voice work from there. So it's like Metal Gear, uh, Common Rata SD, Speed Racer, Pretty Guardian, Sailor Moon R, Puyo Puyo 2, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter the Animated Series, Power Rangers Zeo Battle Racers, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Resident Evil 2, Silent Hill, Donkey Kong 64, Shenmue, Shenmue 2, Mobile Suit Gundam Zionic Front, Silent Hill 2, Silent Hill 3, uh, Silent Hill 4, uh, Dragon Ball Z Budokai, uh, Super Mario Odyssey, uh, Resident Evil Village, a bunch of other Ultraman stuff. And in most of these things, he is the narrator. Yeah, that's awesome for the... Well, you know what the narrator is, though? What? The I'm pretty sure the narrator for like Resident Evil is the guy that says the when it, the titles. The guy that says the, Resident Evil. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's him, right? If that is him, he has made an impact on my life. Because I used to, like, back when I used to play, like, the original Resident Evil director's cut and then Resident Evil 2. And I was, I might have been too young to be playing those games, if I'm being honest. Because I remember, I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but I remember that I played the Resident Evil director's cut on PlayStation 1. And I played it until I had to go to baseball practice. (laughs) And let me tell you, I didn't play baseball practice uh, for very long. Like, I was like, I had to have been like 11 or 12. Yeah, that game scarred me. That was the first time I played. It was PlayStation 1, Resident Evil Director's Cut. Yeah, yeah, um, the Director's Cut rules. That scene I was where almost a Jill you, sandwich. Yeah, well, when you go into that back hallway, like right past the uh, dining room, and there's that, that CGI of the head turning around and looking at you. Yeah, like, when uh, Kenneth bro- got killed. Broke me as a child. Yeah, when Kenneth died. Yeah. Well, that's why you can, like, when you're Chris, you have to kill the zombie yourself. But if you're yeah. Jill... You can run. You can run out into the yeah. Run out into the dining room, and Barry will come out and and take care of it for you with his magnum. But and then the, the version of Resident Evil Two that I played, uh, also on PlayStation One, and that one was uh, the DualShock version, which mm-hmm. gave you the submachine gun with unlimited ammo. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Like now I can actually like kill things and not have to run away all the time. But as we know, uh, just having unlimited ammo doesn't necessarily mean I'll finish the game since I do have unlimited ammo in the Resident Evil 2 remake and I still get too scared to play that game. Did you uninstall it? Look, I only have so much room on my... On my yeah. But it's now that it's on Game Pass, like maybe I'll give it a go again because at least I'll... Like if I get achievements, I'll be able to earn like gamer score stuff like or like, a, like Game Pass like points, which I can use. Definitely not what we're here to talk about on the podcast, but I can like double dip a little bit and finally face my fears. So we'll Dude, see. This guy's had some crazy credits. Oh no, I I cut down the list. Like there were other things. There were a lot of other things. If there's anything you want to call out specifically, Pro- like- probably if if anyone's a fan of uh, JRPGs, he played uh, George and Batten Kaitos, the which I think was just remade. And released like a couple months ago so it's pretty wild oh was there a remake of that that came out yeah it was um yeah it was for switch so they did the first and second one it's like a well i, I don't i don't want to say it was a it was definitely a remaster but the, it's not like it's not completely redone they just kind of upscaled it a little bit which is a great game it's a it's a deck building combat game kind of it's like a it's it's hard to explain it's a good game so 
Oh, I didn't realize he was also the narrator in even the most recent Resident Evil 3 remake. He was, yeah, he was the narrator. After, I'm going to look this up after this, but I'm pretty sure he's the voice that goes Resident Evil 2. Then isn't he the same one in all of them? Yeah, I think it is him. Yeah. Well, why doesn't he have a credit for Resident Evil 2 remake? He only has it for Resident Evil 3 remake. I thought it was on here. I don't see it. He's in three. He has all of the Yakuza games, basically. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's so funny that he's like always a narrator. In this. Hmm. He was the narrator in Dragon Ball Z Budokai. I'm like, I don't even remember there being a narrator in that thing. All right. Well, we've dwelled on Dr. John Dennis fault. Probably enough. Although I, I do think he might be my That's favorite character. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, next up is Chris Alexander as played by Melo Alexandria. Chris Alexander being our uh, wisecracking boat captain. Um, he had uh, THX 1138, uh, Psychic Killer, uh, The Incredible Hulk, uh, Matlock Dynasty Cheers. I think he was only like in one episode of like, each of those. Uh, he did do stunts in I'm Gonna Get You Sucka, Return to Horror High, Ghost Dad, and Predator 2. So he had some stunt credits on top of like his kind of scant acting credits. And a fun fact is the director originally wanted to do a uh, Slithis 2, and the plot that he had in mind was that um, Mel Alexandria would return as Chris and he would go to LA and deal with like additional Slithis creations in LA that are like attacking LA. Slith eye. Slithises. Yeah, Slithies. Slith eyes. Yeah. So yeah, those are that's like out of we basically covered our main protagonists. So now we're gonna get into some more bit players. Uh, Dr. Aaron Burick as played by JC Clare. I didn't see anything else for him. Um, I just thought it was funny that his name is Aaron Burick and it's spelled E R I N. It's spelled yeah. the, the female way, which I thought was funny because we have a woman Jeff. named Jeff and then a man named Aaron, but like with a girl spelling. Um, there's someone like vigorously writing a country song about this, <laughs> a boy named Aaron, but like this spelled this way. Um, yeah, then the monster was played by uh, Win Condict. Uh, I didn't see any other credits for Win. Um, I did think it was kind of interesting that they had like one of the things about uh, his performance is that he basically had to get sewed into the costume. So every day he'd get sewed into it and have to be in it all day. Which honestly, I feel like I'd probably get really claustrophobic if I was sewed into that rubber thing. Uh, I would say that was it's a good it's a, a good assumption. Yes. Um, next up is one of the winos who witnesses some shenanigans. His name is Bunky, as played by John Hatfield. Uh, he was in Fire Sale, Foul Play, and Emergency. I say it that way because it has an exclamation point at the end. So, um, and Then Bunky's uh, fellow wino buddy is Preston, as played by Rocky Fumarelli. This is it for him. So don't hold your breath for more stuff from that dude. The first human victim of the Slithis is Jack Dunn, as played by High Pike. Probably never before in movie history has there ever been a dude I was, like, happier to see die. <laughs> he was <laughs> difficult to deal with. Um, he's in Dolomite, White House Madness, Nightmare in Blood, Blade Runner, Vamp, Hacko Lantern, and Fatal Choice. He actually had a, a decent career. There's a few things there. I, I like uh, Vamp. And Blade Runner, so I had to bring them up. But he had a few other credits Not that I didn't sure. bring up. 
Next up is Jack's wife, Helen, as played by Daphne Cohen. This was it for her as far as IMDb was concerned. So don't hold your breath. Uh, next up is another victim of the creature is Doug, as played by Stephen J. Hoag. And let me tell you, Doug, what a creep. He has this and then a movie called Go For It. And that's like it. He went for it. Oh, he certain, certainly did. <laughs> uh, there's his uh, female companion, Jennifer. Uh, as played by Wendy Rastadar, Rastadar, Ratatosker. I don't know how you say that name. Um, she was in one episode of the Waltons. So I'm like, Ooh, she was also in an episode of the Waltons. Was it the same one that Judy Matulski was in? Who knows? Um, and then uh, uh, something called getting wasted and then midnight offerings. And that was like really all that I picked for her. I think she had some other television credits, but who really cares? Uh, next up is Mike. As played by Drew Dieter. No other credits for Drew. Uh, and then the other boat hand that goes on the... the Because Mike was one of the boat hands that goes on the mm-hmm. quest to find the Slithis. The other one is... West, I like that. Yeah, the other one is Nicholas. as played by Mark Harvey. Uh, he was like the writer in something called WoW. And he was listed as playing himself in it. I don't know what WoW is. But um, that was another credit for him. And that's all that I picked for the the cast there are other people um the only one that i tried to find out was there's a police lieutenant that shows up at one point and it's like that dude forgot oh like the first time he goes to the house no 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 no. the police lieutenant at the police station oh that guy the guy with like the the mustache and the little beard and the accent and it's like yeah and he has like a weird accent i'm like what movie does he think he's in Cause he's like enunciating everything really weird. And he has like, yeah, he has like a weird, like transatlantic accent he's doing, <laughs> but like no one in the credits was credited as Lieutenant. And I'm like, he definitely called him Lieutenant like multiple times. I, I think it's police chief. Right. But I thought was the, I thought that maybe when they said police chief, they were referring to that police spokesman that was in the newscast. Oh, I don't know. His name's Alejandro. Uh, yeah, then maybe it is him. Like, Hold on. You said it was what the police chief is who you think it is. Even though Alejandro he was, boss. He was definitely called. He was definitely called Lieutenant. So, well, I mean, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. I'm just telling you that is a good point though. In the, there was the police chief in the announcement. Well, that guy was a, well, that guy was a um, police spokesperson, but I do believe that they wouldn't like, it's hard to tell who they think these people are. Cause like most of them are just like, policeman at the station or whatever well if it is alejandro voss this is his only thing and let me tell you we've missed out because that dude is going for it yeah yeah because he's like an extra and they're like they're like hey man the guy got sick hey go as big as you can yeah the only other ones they had was like the policeman at the house which was david ridenauer and like that one is the one who like tries to arrest wayne then right. they have like police chief, which I guess it it'd have to be it has to be that that dude. Then there's a policeman at station, which I assume is the policeman that goes into the lieutenant's office to tell him that Wayne is is there. And then there's two that are just policemen, like one's just policemen and another one's just policemen. It's Abraham Columbus and Michael Hudson, and like again, neither of those have any other credits. So if they are him, like there's no other way to enjoy this man's like overperformance. And the only other person in that scene that I recognized as anything was Dr. Riesling, the police scientist 
who was uncredited, but played by Bill J. Stevens. And that dude has a career. That dude has like, he has a, a series of like credits. So he has like, what is it? Silent Venom, um, Future Cop. Um, let me see. There's so interesting ones. Uh, he had a, well, not really interesting, but he had a few episodes each in like Young and the Restless General Hospital, Days of Our Lives, that kind of thing. Uh, Scrubs. He was an episode of Scrubs. So he, he's had some additional credits, not anything to write home about, I guess. But he was the, so he was the doctor in the police station. So he was definitely not that lieutenant. So I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'll spend the rest of my life, like wondering if that was like Alejandro Vaz. Like, is he still out there? Can I like contact him and be like, what were you thinking with this performance? <laughs> what, was, what was the plan here? I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out who that guy is. And it, I can, they have tons of photos of him, but it, they never actually say his name. Can you, did you try just Googling Alejandro Vaz? Yeah, it doesn't show up. It really felt like he was doing like a stage performance and like, yeah, he doesn't show up, man. What a bummer. Oh, well let's, we'll say that it is Alejandro Vaz. If it wasn't like, if you're the real Alejandro Vaz and you're out there, uh, write us, write us a letter. We'd love to get this right. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm even in comment sections, dude. <laughs> Can anyone tell me who this man is? I wonder if there's actually maybe there's a clip of it on YouTube and then like maybe that has. I'm some, there. Is I'm it, in the, I'm in the in comments, there? dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, believe me, I am exhausting all of my options here. Well, uh, as much as I'm sure our listeners are riveted by us trying to determine who this overacting police lieutenant is in one scene of this movie. I think it's time for me to move on to the plot description. Well, it's not going to be this George Gershwin shit that was in this movie. So wow. I promise you that. Wow. wow. It was definitely like, I, I remember I actually put it. It's in my like name. fucking Rhapsody of Blue every time they go near water. I'm like, great. There's a clarinet. That's exactly when I think horror, I think of fucking really good scales on a clarinet. Yeah. Woodwind insurance. Fair. Like that's actually what I put in my notes is like more woodwinds than you usually get in a horror movie score. Like they tend to be strings, maybe a little bit of brass, but like woodwinds. When does this happen? Like take out the monster, good accompaniment. I, it's a good song. It was it was very well written. I liked it. Not not feeling it for the for the old slith. For the old slips. But um, okay. So uh, opening shot: a marina in a seaside town of Venice, California. Which, if I'm not mistaken, Venice, California is the hometown of Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. Isn't he supposed mm. to be from Venice, California? We'll put a pit. We'll wait, put a pit in that, and then you let me know. Wait, wait, wait. What? Guess who played the lieutenant? I didn't even get that. I'm, I found a. So I'm on uh, millionmonkeytheater.com. Sounds like a trustworthy resource. High Pike played him. No, he didn't. You're lying, I sw- dude. I- it looks just like him though. When it like you, you can tell it's him when it zooms in. 
It's for sure him. He was double cast. He's not even listed in the in the cast for that though. That's what I'm saying. He, I, it looks like they just used him again. Ooh, I guess it does kind of look like him. It looks just like when you when you break out of that scene, it looks just like him. How did you determine this? How did you figure this out? I'm on. I told you, I'm on MillionMonkeyTheater.com. We'll get there. We'll get there. Trust me, it's him. It, do, it definitely it looks does just look, like some him, of these, Yeah, some of the pictures of him on Google that definitely looks Here. like the LT. So yeah, I think you're right. I'm gonna send this to you on and, Discord. Okay. No, you'll see. So we literally have gotten to the opening shot of the movie. So. Yeah, I can. I can cut around. We'll be good. I mean, you need, I don't know if you want to cut that out. Okay. That you you went on a journey there. You've earned that. No, no, no. I mean, I'll I'll chop it so it's faster. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it'll 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 make sense. Anyways, opening shot of the of a marina at a seaside town of Venice, California, California, probably the home of Johnny Cage. California. We'll find out later. We won't find out later. He's not going to appear in this. <laughs> yeah, he won't appear in this as much as we wanted him to. I mean, I love Johnny Cage. I'd I'd take him in anything. I, that's what I mean. It is it is Venice, California. I just looked it up really fast. I knew it. I knew Johnny Cage yeah. was from there. Uh, the titles are just yellow letters over the aerial shots of the. Uh, of the town because it like kind of pans around. Uh, I'm actually kind of like it's, it's a nice change of pace from just white letters on black screen, which is usually what we get in these. The title is Spawn of the Slithers, which is funny because everything else seems to list it as Slithers. Um, but yeah, so just like IMDb, it calls itself Spawn of the Slithers. But when you look it up online, it's Slithers. Uh, and like you mentioned, I, I put in my notes the music is orchestral, uh, a lot of woodwinds more than you usually get in this kind of movie. Uh, it sort of reminds me of some of the scores of like the late Showa era Godzilla movies, like uh, the 72, 73 era ones. And it's probably because like, that's just a seventies way to do music, but it, it reminds me of those Godzilla movies. Um, so yeah, this, the titles take a long time to get through uh, a lot of uh, panning around this aerial shot of 1970s, California. But then we get to two kids playing Frisbee next to a canal uh, pretty sorry looking canal if you ask me um, and the grass is like all brown and dry it's like a man California is even dry back in the 70s I guess um, and I, I was like I really don't understand the music in this scene it sounded like an overture or something I don't know what they're what they were up to here it's like um, like so this in blue yeah it's, it, is, it is like yeah it definitely isn't a horror movie soundtrack um, yeah but the frisbee uh, the one kid uh, Jerry throws it too far uh, and then we get a slow motion shot of the kid, uh, the one kid running to get it. Um, I can't remember the name of the other kid. The one is Jerry. I think they give the name of the other one, but who really cares? They'll never appear again. Um, and then when that kid gets over to when he finally gets to where the Frisbee went, he calls the other kid over. He calls Jerry over. And then we get another slow motion run of Jerry. I'm like, why do we have to have two slow motion shots of these kids running? Did Zack Snyder direct this? Uh, but then we smash cut to sudden dead dogs. So that's what the kid wanted to show his friend was dead dogs. Uh, the Yeah, Jerry is understandably alarmed and runs off. Uh, the other kid, uh, possibly being a budding psychopath, tells Jerry not to be a chicken and runs after him. He's like, they're dead. They can't hurt you. Like, yeah, kid. Like, those are dead dogs. Like, um, so this is what? Four movies in a row with dead dogs in it? So we're on a... We're on a real dead dog tear here on the dark side drive-in. There's also a ton of dogs in this movie and not on screen. Like there's just constantly a dog barking at like any point in time. Yeah. 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 
And a lot of, well, yeah, and then also, like, the discussion of dog remains, because a lot of these, apparently the Slithis targets dogs early on. And it's yeah. kind of gruesome, the, the scene they show is those two dogs with, like, their heads skinned and stuff. I'm like, ugh, I'm grossed out by this. Um, then we cut to a rousing breakfast conversation between Wayne, our hero, uh, as it were, and his wife, Jeff. Uh, and why is the woman named Jeff? We will never know. <laughs> we'll only get one little crack from Dr. John about it, like you said. Um, Wayne is very interested in the newspaper reportings about the dead dogs, um, and how he had also seen other dead dogs recently, like when he was going to do photographs of like a boat race, he saw like a dead German shepherd out there. So, like, um, the newspapers and the cops are assuming it's a ritualistic thing. Um, and his reason for that is that he said that when he's in the Midwest, he saw ritualistic killings and he's like, they're totally different. It's like, these ones were more like they were butchered. And it's like, yeah, because like the sloth was eating them. So he's actually right, but he's doing it in a really annoying way because mm-hmm. Jeff is like trying to like talk to him. Stop. She's worried about being late for work because she's also a teacher at the school that he's a teacher at. And he won't listen to her and just keeps rambling about this. And then when she finally breaks through, he is upset and is like, I wonder about our communication because you're not listening to me or whatever. It's like, dude, you're the one who is talking out loud at no one. <laughs> like she's trying to engage you. So it's like, what does he say? He's like, I'm talking, uh, what he's like, I'm, I'm talking enigma and you're talking, uh, you know, exam or whatever. Cause she's telling him about how he has a first period exam to deliver. And he's like, Hey bud, like, don't be so mean to your wife. She's worried about being late for work. It's called being a professional bro. Um, but he also takes a shot at his kids. He, he apparently hates his students. He's like, maybe I can just knock three questions off the test and they might pass it this time. It's like, man, this guy is insufferable. This is our hero. Uh, and then we get a nice little uh, cut to continuity to nighttime at a canal. There's bubbling in the water, which is like probably a sign that there's a slithis coming up. Um, there's a local dog barking. Um, and it's uh, like you said, it, we actually see this dog. It's Regal, the German shepherd. Or no, mm-hmm. he's a Doberman, isn't he? Yeah, Regal, the Doberman that's owned by the Duns. Um, we get the POV the creature eye POV, which looks like they filmed it from the inside of a, like a plastic soda bottle or something. <laughs> like it's like, yeah, it took fish eye literally. Yeah. Like it had like a, in the middle was clear, but the outside was just plastic bottle. Like they're filling it for the inside yeah. of a bottle. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so the creature moves towards the house and it just smashes its way through the screen door. Since I guess, cause it's hot, they decided to leave the door open and only have the screen door shut. Uh, didn't do much to stop the creature. And uh, we actually get to see the creature. And I'm used to these movies not showing the creature for a really long time, like really leaning on that POV shot. Mm-hmm. So I give them some credit to actually show us what what it looks like. And I guess we could kind of describe it here if you want to. Like, So it does have like some of the creature from the Black Lagoon things. Like it has clawed webbed hands. It has like a gilly tendrils around its neck that are hanging off. It has like it's kind of got like a carapace that's similar to like the um, creature from the Black Lagoon, but the creature from the Black Lagoon is like really like like skinny and like kind of nimble looking. This guy's like a chonker, like he's a real chubby boy, you know. Like he's got he's got like a huge middle body, um, and it, yeah, it looks like it's kind of a shell, but not a turtle shell, but like a maybe a crustacean shell or something. I would say. Would you? find that description apt yeah i i'm trying to save 
a lot of my comments for like the judgment category. So I'm not redundant, but um, I'm more just like describing the creature. I'm not re- rendering a verdict on how effective it was. Yeah. But I'm trying not to, cause I have, I will get there, but like I, the facial details on this thing are wild. Yeah. And it's a pretty got, distinctive like, looking face. Yeah. Like I know you're, t- you're, so could you, what's it called again? This thing you're, I said that it's exterior is a, it's like a carapace. Yeah. Carapace. Like the, that's like, that's its body. Yeah. Though. Could you go into what that is? Cause I, we probably should have gotten into that. I couldn't remember the name of the, that's the whole, the whole aesthetic, right? It's like that rounded, right? Yeah. A carapace. It's like a crab shell kind of. There you go. Like I, a, like a bony, like, like chitinous, like shell. Is chitinous the word? I think chitinous is the right word for that. Yeah, yeah. carapace. Like, what do you mean? Why do people don't know Dude, what the word I'm gonna, carapace I'm is? Gonna, I'm going to say, I'm just going to be real with you. Sometimes you operate at different levels than a lot of other people. I I don't know if, the, I, I wouldn't have known what that was. I had to look it up while we were talking. <laughs> All right. Well, sorry. Okay. If anyone needs to know what not, a carapace Not insulting is. our listeners. I'm just like, <laughs> you said carapace 17 times in a matter of 40 <laughs> 56 minutes. I'm sure I probably said uh, carapace way more than most people say carapace, but that's what it is. It has like a, yeah, it has like a shell. Like, and we, you know that later when they fight it because they have a hard time getting through it's, it's carapace. Like, I got, I don't know. It's just one of those words. Like, like, how do I say, like, how do I define the word without saying what the word is? It's like a shell, but it's not quite a shell. It's like shellish, like uh, shell adjacent. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, that was weird. Anyways, uh, yeah, the cre- creature <laughs> like goes in and, and breaks through the screen door. Um, uh, uh, insufferable local man named Jack uh, is like trying to ignore the ruckus. He thinks it's the dog Regal breaking into the screen door again. Uh, his wife, Helen, is like, uh, someone's literally trying to break into our house, dude. Get up and go out there. Um, and he's like just being like a total dick for the, the entire duration of this scene. He's like. Uh, if that dog breaks the door again, he's going to the pound. I don't care anymore. And then he gets up and then like goes to investigate, but he decides to get fully dressed. Like he puts on his pants and like a shirt and stuff. And his wife like is like, why don't you just put on a robe? And he's like, every time I get up, I get fully dressed. I do not like robes. And like, this is the least relatable character of all time. Cause let me tell you, Shane, I recently got a robe because it's been really cold in my apartment lately. And it's mm-hmm. the best thing that's ever happened to me. Is it? Why would you not want to wear a robe? I don't understand this man. <laughs> so yeah, so he finally gets completely dressed, you know, after disparaging the concept of robes, um, and then he goes out into the like the living room, which has basically been wrecked. Uh, he still thinks Regal did it, um, and he's like, he like is yelling back to his wife, and he's like, "What?" It's like, "Oh, you're you're gonna have a mess to clean up in the morning." It's like, "Geez, dude, like." How much can you lean on like traditional gender roles like in this in this instance? Uh, luckily for us, he turns around and is attacked by a slith that's in the kitchen. Uh, so he's dead. Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, Helen, uh, his wife, like grabs a gun. Uh, so she has a, a, a revolver and she goes out, you know, and now that she's heard her husband scream. Um, she shoots at the, the slith several times. But again, it's carapace is tough. So uh it is she's killed off screen. We get like some cool shadow work as it approaches her. Um, but then uh, what is I think was probably one of the more effective parts of the scene is then you just he, like it cuts to the exterior of the house and you just hear the creature eating her. 
and it's like really like wet sounding like like just munching yeah munching down and you know what then it cuts to a grisly scene of the dead bodies uh both of them uh the jack is mostly intact because the creature decided it liked helen so much that it ate her entire face off (laughs) so yeah she's dead as hell um i mean both of them are but like her face is gone dude and now I know what you're you're thinking that was incredibly gory. That was really gross looking. How is this movie rated PG? How do you want to know how? I do know. Oh yeah, let me know. So what happened was they submitted it to the MPAA, and the MPAA said, "Yeah, you got to cut out a bunch of this violence, dude, or it's going to be rated R." So they cut out a bunch of the violent scenes and then resubmitted it to the MPAA. They gave them the PG rating. Then when the, the the company got it back, they just put the scenes back in and the MPAA awesome. never checked. <laughs> like they never followed up. So they just released the R version as a PG movie. That's so cool. I know. But like, why haven't they fixed that in the intervening years? They're just like, no one gives enough of a shit about this movie to like <laughs> to even correct its rating. So it's like the gotta be the goriest PG movie I've ever seen, dude. <laughs> like this movie is gruesome sometimes. Yeah, it definitely. It definitely. It definitely clips the at least PG thirteen, right? At least, yeah. And I think this was probably before PG thirteen existed, right? Yeah, it was like uh, the era of Jaws that kind of necessitated uh, the creation of the PG thirteen rating. So this would have been before that. But yeah, it's just crazy to me that that guy this gets a PG rating, like even by the sliding scale of 70s pg being a worse pg still Mm. pretty gruesome (laughs) like i doubt this would even get pg-13 this is gory shit dude smash cut to a marching band on a mostly dirt field california be dry uh wayne is talking to jeff at school and this is basically just like a long scene of him just bitching about being a teacher like uh he hates this like all these students are just moved along they none of them actually get tested or think or anything and Jeff reminds him that uh, all the other teachers suck. And he uh, supposedly is a good teacher. I don't see how that's possible. He seems like a miserable prick. Um, but that's her way of like trying to get him to keep teaching. Um, what is it? He says the lighthouse, which is the student newspaper, is like the worst student newspaper in the state. It's like, is there like a state student newspaper rankings? <laughs> like, how do you know what's the worst in the state? And also California is a big state, dude. Like, I find it hard to believe that Venice, California has the worst student newspaper. And then he, like, gets really petty about it. He complains about a student who works for the paper who uses the same uh, simile over and over again. Do you remember that? Yeah. Well, so, like, he isn't he, like, the isn't he, like, the advisor to the paper? Yes. Too? Yeah. He's the advisor for the student paper. He's an English right. teacher and he's an advisor for the paper. Right. And he's just a monster prick to these kids. Like, he seems miserable. Yeah, but like it's like a like what like a popsicle in the sun or something is like the yeah the simile that she uses. I'm like that's an okay simile. Like it's good to have a catchphrase. Um, so yeah, but then a, a student approaches uh, with a radio and it's a, a radio report about the murders of the the Duns, Helen and Helen and Jack. Uh, the student Marty uh, thought that uh, Wayne would be interested in it because it's linked to the dog mutilations that he had uh, seen in the paper earlier. And apparently he had read it to his class, the newspaper story since he didn't get the, he didn't get the uh, conversation he wanted out of Jeff at the kitchen table over breakfast. So he decided to take it to take it to work with them and uh, use his students as his like sounding board instead. Like I said, seems like a, such a good teacher. And also he seems annoyed by the student, but like 
This is what he's interested in. This is like the driving moment of his like plot is like investigating these murders. Like, why does he seem so put off by the fact that one of his students like brought it to him? Like I said, I, he just well, seems like an asshole. He's like, he's like dismissive and then promptly starts researching it. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, I'm uh, what was it? Um, at the van, uh, you know, Wayne's like telling Jeff, like, oh, I'm gonna investigate those murders, like investigate like Helen and Jack's death. Literally moments after he was like kind of rude to his student for even bringing it to him. Um, Jeff reminds him that he's not a journalist, but he's a journalism teacher. Uh, he shits on his students again and says that it won't hurt if he just drives by the place. Uh, he shit on his students by saying, like, you know, am I a teacher? Like, am I really t- teaching anything? Uh, and then he says, I'm just going to drive by the place. So then cut to Wayne walking, not driving along the canal near the house where the couple were killed. Uh, you can tell that it's the same area because it's like the uh, daytime version of the nighttime shot where the bubbling was yeah. coming up and the creature came out. So it's the same place. Um in order to be as sus as possible, uh, he walks around and peeks in the windows before entering the house, despite it being broad daylight. Um, yeah, he surveys the crime scene, still pretty bloody. Bob, uh, bodies are obviously removed. Uh, he hears a sound like floorboards creaking and says hello, but no one responds. And he decides, okay, I'm not going to investigate that at all. He finds some brown dirt on the ground where the murders happened. What could this dirt be? It certainly isn't Slithis. Um, sudden cop. Uh, rolls in. He's like a motorcycle cop because he has like a helmet on. He like throws Wayne against the wall and he's like, what are you doing here, dude? Uh, Wayne identifies himself and like, the, it's like, hey, I have an ID. I'm just like, a, I'm here investigating. I'm, you know, I didn't think of any harm. Um, the cop says that the neighbors had mentioned a prowler. He's like, oh, we wish it was prowler. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, and uh, the cop says that Wayne's lucky that the cop responded and not the neighbor. Cause apparently the neighbor has a shotgun and loves uh, using it. And the cop has it a, a cold. And I don't understand why this was part of this. I don't know. <laughs> like the cops like it, coughing and sneezing and Wayne hands him a eucalyptus drop. And he's like, here, this will help with your cold. It's like, it'll never come up again. I don't understand why this cop has to have a cold. Like what a weird detail to this scene. Um, but then he finds out that the cop was in on the investigation. So Wayne's asking him if he has any knowledge of the dirt. Uh, the cop says that they guessed that it was tracked in from outside and tells Wayne, you know, don't prowl around on crime scenes anymore, dude. You're going to get yourself hurt and all, or tam- tamper with evidence. Uh, so Wayne, uh, not listening to the cop at all, uh, takes some of the dirt with him and he takes it to the lab of our one and only Dr. John, uh, our Resident Evil narr- narrator himself. Uh, yeah, it's this scientist pal. Um, and, uh, this lab is interesting. So it has like a bunch of animal containers, but it also has like skinned snake skins on the wall. Yeah. Lab is an interesting term to describe this place. Yeah. Calling I, it mean, a lab I know, I know is, that's what it is. Yeah, I, just... I mean, I think I saw a microscope yeah. there. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Dr. John says the substance is protoplasmic and seems to be, uh, from an exoskeleton. But it and it is both organic and inorganic, which, uh, again, I don't think that makes sense. I'm not a scientist, but that sounds like uh, nonsense. Uh, and Wayne, uh, in order to not, you know, be left behind in the conversation, says, so it isn't mud. It's like, yeah, dude, like he literally is telling you what it is. Um, but then Dr. John's going to do a more thorough analysis. He says he needs a day or two. Uh, and then the mad doctor will come up with something. And he goes, it is kind of funny. And then we have a tracking shot that settles on an iguana that's sitting in a cage. And I'm like, hey, iguana, what's up, bro? 
So <laughs> good ending to a scene. Yeah, the, these transitions, man. They go for it, man. Like this director, he knew he's only direct two things, and he's like, I'm gonna make some shots happen. He's like, shots, 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 shots. Everybody. Yeah, really. Uh yeah. So um I guess then we get an instant cut to what is a couple days later. Uh, because Wayne and Jeff are playing a board game. Um and even uh, when they're having fun, Wayne's still being kind of a dick to Jeff, saying that she's like when Dr. John comes in, it's like she, she cheats and I let her so that she keeps playing with me or whatever. I'm like, okay, dude. But yeah, so the they get a knock on the door. It's Dr. John. Um, you know, Jeff offers him a beer, which he takes. And so I don't know if you like how many times you had to watch this scene. Uh, I had to watch it three times before I could like actually pay attention to what Dr. John was saying. Because Jeff was pouring that beer like a fucking psychopath, dude. I know. She like just poured it like straight into the mug. No <laughs> tilt. It was just, it was all foam. Did you see that? It was all foam. It was ridiculous. <laughs> like I, I was like, I, what, the, what the hell is Dr. John even saying? Because I'm watching this shit pour this beer, losing my goddamn mind. Now you understand why. He gets so mad. Yeah, it's like now I get why Wayne Wayne's so mean to his wife getting poor beer. So I I literally I wrote that down. I I wrote very few notes for this movie, uh, and that was one thing. I'm like, what is she doing? That beer. That beer. And I wasn't going to bring it up. Thing. How can you not? How can anyone watch that scene and not be like, Dude, what that's the doing? McMurder of the movie. The murder of that beer. <laughs> the murder of that beer. <laughs> oh man because like i was paying attention to the beer because it looked like it was like a modello i was like oh that's a you know decent like little yeah beer, right. like west coast beer and then it's like oh she's just gonna pour it all into the cup at once just straight from the top no till like oh what a disaster it's like when they cast her you know what a beer is right she's like yeah of course i know what beer is watch me pour it um all the alcohols in the phone <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah 90 percent of the alcohol is in the phone we know that to be true um okay well that was for you Patton. <laughs> i mean it's pretty much for anyone who was in our fraternity yeah, right. that era um okay so <laughs> what dr john was talking about was how the substance is slightly radioactive um and he's like not dangerously so but you know it does have some radiation to it um and he explains that like in sherman wisconsin there was a similar substance to what this is that was in a lagoon that was infected with radioactivity after a leak at a uh, nuclear power plant. And it was a silt that would take on the form of whatever it absorbed and like take on the qualities of it. And uh, it was an organic mud that the scientists working on it called Slithis. Now the AEC, the atomic energy commission covered up the existence of Slithis because they thought there could be a panic over the implications of it. So um, one of the like and basically what happened was the day it was in like the reports of the incident and stuff like that but it was like buried so he had to like dig to find it um and he remarks that one of the scientists uh that was involved in the initial slithis discovery is currently working for crest oil company which is nearby and is allegedly uh doing what he's doing uh experiments for the oil company but they also mentioned that there's a nearby nuclear power plant uh in in venice or near venice so it's like kind of throwing out a couple possibilities about what caused the silithus we never get like a straight up answer to it but like it's like oh the scientist could be doing his experiments or it could be that the, there's a nuclear power plant nearby and it had a leak 
and they covered it up or, or something like that. Um, the scientist is that Dr. Aaron Burke that we mentioned. Uh, he lives in Malibu Hills. Uh, Dr. John says that uh, the material that Wayne found is similar to Slithis uh, because it has done the stuff that science hasn't been able to replicate because apparently they can replicate certain parts of it, but they can't do everything. And that's probably what um, Aaron Burke is working on with uh, the Crest Oil Company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so basically, like, it's just one of those things like where Wayne's like, oh, I'm going to continue investigating. And Dr. John's like, yo, keep me in the loop if you do that. And Jeff is pissed. She's like warning Wayne they should stay away from it because Slithis is radioactive and it seems like it's dangerous. And, um, you know, and then she kind of gets into like, hey, you already have a good job at the high school. Why would you want to put everything in jeopardy to investigate this? And Wayne is just like, I hate my life more and more each day, basically. <laughs> I'm like, jeez, dude, like your wife seems like a lovely woman and you have a pretty solid life, but he's got like major midlife crisis vibes up in here. It's like the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that'll fix, there's only two things, Shane, that'll fix a midlife crisis. One is making, what's that? one is making some kind of like extravagant purchase, like a car or a motorcycle. Mm. The other is to uh, hunt down a, a monster. <laughs> Most men go with the former, but some men, they go for the latter, my dude. So, you know, as we get older, you think about what you want to do when your time comes. It's going to be a monster hunt. What would hunt. you, what it's would gonna you be, choose? It's going to be a monster hunt for me, dude. Yeah, dude. okay. It was yeah, always okay. going to be a monster hunt. It was always. It always was. Uh, yeah. Sometimes you have to become the monster, though. You know. I know. If you stare long enough into the abyss, the abyss also stares <laughs> into you. And I'm oh, ready no, for Nietzsche. it. I'm going to Nietzsche it up. This guy for sure is a nihilist. Uh, yeah, Wayne. I mean, he, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he really has any like cogent philosophy. I think he just kind of, uh, it feels like he's better than the world. And I, that's not really a philosophy. That's more like a character flaw. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so Jeff relents is like, fine. Uh, you can do what you want with Slithis, but don't you dare say it in front of me ever again. Cut to another event. It is night and two hobos are hanging out by the water near some old broken boats. They're like near some like breakwater. Uh, one of the hobos, Bunky, is chastising the other for uh, crapping his pants again. Uh, but that guy, Preston, says, I just farted. <laughs> it's like, you shit yourself, didn't you? It's kind of a funny uh, interaction, but like Bunky's like, ah, I have to go whiz. So he heads off to whiz. Um, and then he returns to find that Preston's asleep. Um, so, you know, uh, Bunky takes the alcohol that Preston was drinking, has a couple swigs, uh, and he does like a weird little monologue about, uh, whores in Vietnam and then also like whores in Australia. And I don't understand, like if he went to Australia after Vietnam for a period of time, like I gather they're hinting that he's a Vietnam veteran. That's why he's like a wino now. But, um, I don't know. He's just talking about whores. Um, but, uh, he tosses the bottle. Uh, and then, you know, Preston is snoring away. So Bunky wanders off. Uh, and then like, there's some really weird whimsical music playing while he walks through the dark to his place. Did you notice that music? Yeah. So he, so he ran out of wine. So he had a stash at one of the construction sites. So that's, that's where he was, he was going. going yeah. He was going to the construction yeah. site to get his love, wine. love the sauntering tuba music to make it seem like he's definitely drunk. But yeah. Like, like, is that, that was... why the music was so whimsical? Cause he's drunk. Yeah. It's like. Yeah, yes. but like this is a devastating indictment of the human condition that this man is like a veteran who's like homeless now and like finding his alcohol stashed in random like yeah, and it's like bom, 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 bom. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's, uh, it's yeah, this fun. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a, he, yeah, he gets to the under construction building. It's like a house. It's like like the framework is up. Uh, and then there's a little bottle of wine stashed away, which he grabs. And then uh, he goes and looks out over the water and sees like some bubbling. And he's like, yo, who would be swimming? Like, wouldn't they be cold? And he goes to approach what he thinks is the person. And, you know, say what you will about Bunky. But he's nothing but accommodating. He's like, hey, do you want a swig of this wine to warm you up a little bit? Like trying to be nice to this person. Uh, Surprise, it's a Slithis. (laughs) So like he gets up to it, it turns around and gives him a growl. And like it's one of our first looks at its like full face. I feel like I I think we could see its face in the the murder of the Duns in their home. But this is the first time we get like a real good face look at it. Uh, Bunky runs, but he falls and breaks his bottle. And like we later see, he like also hurt his hand on the glass. Um, Slithis uh, is not as fast on land, so he's not interested in chasing after Bunky. So he wanders off, and a woman screams off screen. So uh, presumably being murdered. And then the next morning, we have a radio report that the woman was murdered in her apartment. Um, the reporter remarks that the local homeless and transients are starting to band together in order to protect one another, like strength in numbers, that sort of thing. Uh, there's a quick on the street interview with a random homeless dude uh, who says that he's scared and he sometimes has to sleep in a bathroom stall at a station, like I guess a train station or a bus station. I don't know, but it doesn't have a lock mm-hmm. on it. Uh, so then they cut to uh, the report continuing and discussing like it's a huge info dump here. Um, local like cults and like alternative like religious groups are getting hassled by police in case they're the ones doing like ritualistic killings. Um, then we get that interview of the police spokesperson uh, who's basically just saying that they, like, the situation is under control. They have a lot of clues. They're following them. I'm like, that's not really much of an update, dude. Um, and then the reporter is remarking that people are afraid. Uh, so, you know, uh, turning their homes into like fortresses. So people clearly are not having a lot of faith in the police in this matter, which is probably good because it seems like they're totally not clued in on what's actually happening. Um, right. But... No more time for exposition. We're going back to Wayne. Wayne's out investigating near the canal again. Once again, in broad daylight. Uh, he finds the broken boat where the homeless guys were. And he sees there's like a little encampment there. Um, you know, and then sudden jump scare. Preston pops out from the broken boat. He's like, what are you doing in my house? And there's like a bit of a tense exchange here about like Wayne asking about the trouble. Preston says, I didn't see anything. I was passed out. It's like, yeah, we know that. Uh, Wayne brings up that someone might have seen something. And, uh, and then he's like, you can talk to me or you can talk to the police. And Preston does not want to talk to the police. Um, and th- there's like, okay, so during this scene, there's one thing that I didn't put in my notes. And I was like, if I remember this, I'll bring it up. And I didn't think yeah. I'd remember it, but I did re- do remember it. Do you remember in this like back and forth between them? There's just one shot where it like randomly cuts to Preston and he doesn't say anything. And it cuts again to him not saying anything. Yeah. And it's like, what? It's like did you do like was something wrong with that last shot? You had to do a quick cut to him doing the same look of saying nothing. There were a couple editing issues that I caught through. Like some of the sound edits didn't match, like they cut the sound too early. Well so I, the scene didn't fade out. I'm guessing the idea was to make it seem like like a tense exchange where he's like, I'm not going to answer your questions, dude. But instead it just looked like it went on too long because of the cut. And I'm right. like, okay, what's is this dude like you know, all right in the head. Like what's going on here? Um, yeah. There, there was a scene where I can't remember which one it was, but uh, it was like really intense music. And then it instantly cuts 
because like uh, Wayne went inside a building and it instantly cuts to something else. Love like him. mid mid like mid beat like not even it was really weird. <laughs> yeah, you love to see it. <laughs> yes, yeah. but you know one thing you brought up that I thought that is very interesting. Uh, the whole time he's investigating during the day, and like I don't know, I'm sure they did it on purpose, but because it's easier to film. But I thought that was interesting because that is low tide, and they make a huge point to bring up high tide and low tide for the Slithus traveling around. So I thought that was pretty cool. I, I don't think they did that on purpose. I, maybe that plot point was added because they were like, oh, we got to film during the day because it's a pain in the ass to film at night. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it could be either way. Because um, like, they do make a big deal about when the, like, the low tide comes. And yeah. then it's like, is that why is that why Slithis goes out at night? Or like, is it nocturnal? Because they kind of make a thing about it, like it's nocturnal, maybe, possibly. Um, yeah, it's hard to say because they offer a lot of... Uh, points of like hey this could be this but they never kind of resolve those but anyways back to wayne and preston <laughs> um so after like wayne threatened him with the police preston gives up that bunky is the person who's hanging out with him and uh, he tells him where bunky hangs out like over in the boardwalk area or something um or by mm-hmm. bike path i think is like where he says he is um and then that, like at this point wayne introduces himself to Preston and Preston introduces himself to him like at the end of their conversation, which is really weird. And like Preston like like offers his drink to him, which Wayne doesn't take it. And I'm like, man, these hobos are so nice. <laughs> like they're just out here offering drinks to like people. <laughs> like, granted, one of them is a dickhead who's investigating like a monster, and the other one was the monster. Um, but yeah, as Wayne's leaving, Preston tells him to let Bunky know that he needs to come get his stuff because Pre- Preston says he doesn't like messes, which I think is kind of funny because he's a homeless guy living in the street. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so Wayne's on the hunt again, now with a sharp hat and sunglasses on. And uh, Okay. <laughs> you don't like his hat? I feel like, hey, you know what makes me more relatable to these uh, winos and homeless people? Sharp hat. <laughs> a good wh- chapeau. A big, a big uh, a white hat with a wide brim, like a safari hat kind of thing or something. I don't even know what you'd call that. He looked like the the guy from Jurassic Park that was buying the shit off of Newman. <laughs> Dodgson? Yeah. Dodgson. We got Dodgson here. Yeah, except that he so doesn't have so a, no a Hawaiian shirt on. He has like a red button up yeah. that he has open, completely open up. Right. Yeah, I'm like, it's like, you know how in, sometimes in movies, like people will uh, wear a lot of clothes for their wardrobe so they can keep them at the end? Like, I'm wondering if this is an outfit that he picked out so that he could have it after the movie was over. Because there's really no reason for him to be dressed like this. But anyways, he yeah, so he's walking around. It's just like him like looking at people and then pointing and then like him going to other people and then pointing in a different direction. You know, just wandering around, um, talking to different people. Uh, he does find a local group of like three homeless winos who do seem to know about Bunky. Uh, he uses the excuse that uh, he wants to talk, uh, give Bunky the news about his stuff that's at Preston's that he needs to go get. And also says mm-hmm. that he has some personal business. Uh, and at first they don't want to like help him out. They're like, Oh, we can tell him whatever you need to tell him. But he bribes them with the promise of a half gallon of good wine. So the guys instantly give up the, the, the monkey stays like with a friend who nearby. It's like, and then it was what <clears throat> they say. Good wine is $5 worth because of inflation. I'm like, is $5 expensive in 1978? <laughs> like that doesn't seem like a lot of money for wine. So, yeah, he bought them a half gallon of, or gave them money for a half gallon of wine. Yeah, so Wayne finds the apartment where Bunky's staying. 
Uh, he's just sitting in a chair drinking alcohol and, ju- you know, justifiably suspicious of Wayne when Wayne knocks on the door. Um, you know, Wayne uses the same pretense, uh, pretense uh, that he, you know, Bunky has left his stuff with Preston. He needs to get it. Um, and then Wayne starts to question about what he saw. And Bunky's a little bit conflicted here. He's like, ah, I don't think I saw anything. I was drinking. You know, he like makes excuses for what it is he saw. Finally, though, Wayne gets through to him and he's like, "Uh, I guess I'd say it was like a slimy lizard, slimy wizard. (laughs) No, a slimy (laughs) lizard or something that crawled out of the sewers. Um, And when Wayne's like, hey, Bunky, we got to you know tell the cops about this. Like, you know that it's not a ritualistic thing. But Bunky says no. He's wanted for some condo break ins that he apparently committed. Uh, so he doesn't want to deal with authorities. And he like tells Wayne, Hey, if you uh, get the cops and bring them to me, like I will deny everything. Like, so like Wayne's kind of at a dead end now. Um, mm-hmm. Then it's like another cut to uh, it's like Wayne is like in uh, Jeff are like in bed and he's on the phone and it's about him going to visit uh, Dr. Aaron Burke, the scientist who was working on the slithest thing. And also working for Crest Oil now. Um, so he asks if Jeff wants to go with him. And she's like down to go. I'm like, didn't she want to not hear about Slithis? Like he like instantly just like crossed that boundary. And she just seems amenable to it. So I'm like, maybe there's a scene. Yeah, well, missing. it was a weird cut to this scene. And then it was a weird cut. Yeah, it was weird. This is a weird couple. There's moments. a lot of cuts to like, like we don't yeah. have time to waste on establishing shots, dude. We're just going. So right. we're at the scientist's. Uh, house he has a nice soft voice he's talking to them from the upper floor and we can't really see him he does have a nice soft voice he does uh very kind yes uh yeah so he's giving uh he's giving like basically a um uh another like you know data dump here you know uh there's a medium-sized nuclear facility nearby it is possible for slithis to manifest uh but he i was unable to do it under laboratory conditions basically explaining that he could never quite get it um, so as he's talking though, like he's kind of walking down the stairs and he talks about like how dangerous working with radioactivity stuff is. And then he emerges from the shadows and we finally see his face is all jacked up. Like, it looks like it's like blackened and like kind of lumpy and weird, like hmm. clearly damaged. Cause he, he talks about how the other scientists from the Slithis, the original Slithis experiment from Wisconsin is dead. He succumbed to radiation poisoning. So, uh, yeah. So Dr. Burt, Burrick, Burdick. Is it Burdick? Burdick. What is his name? Burrick. So Dr. Burrick admits that it's possible that Slithis could evolve into a new form that suits its need. But to track it, they'll need to find the source of the radioactivity. And uh, the, the nuclear power plant will likely never admit to anything, even if they did have a leak. Um, it seems to suggest out of the two possible explanations for Slithis, either this scientist's experiments or the radioactivity leak from the from the power plant. Um mm-hmm. It seems to suggest that the scientist never succeeded in what he wanted to do. So it's definitely not him. He might say, well, maybe he's lying to cover his own ass. He's like, I don't know, man. Scientists, when they make huge discoveries, tend to be pretty egotistical about it. They want to have credit. Um, smash cut to Wayne talking to an old man. He's looking for Chris Alexander. He wants to charter his boat. Uh, the man he's talking to is Chris's uncle and directs him to the back where Chris is working on a boat. Um, so like, it's kind of a weird scene because Wayne's like talking to Chris, but doesn't know where he is. Cause Chris is up in a boat. That's like what raised up on planks. Like it's up in the air. Like how you do when you're doing boat repairs. Um, so yeah. So Wayne asks 
Uh, if Chris would be willing to help him out with a small job, Chris is like, well, how small is the job? And Wayne tells him that he just wants to get some soil and water samples offshore near the Imperial Energy Plant. Um, you know, Chris is amenable to it. Uh, and when he comes down, he introduces himself. And we get kind of a funny moment where they both go in to do two different types of handshakes. Do you remember this? Yes. So, like, yeah, so, like... This is what I was referring to earlier. What? This is what I was referring to earlier. So, yeah, so he goes to do, like, the like an, a hand clasp, like, up up an upper hand clasp, whereas Wayne goes for the more traditional handshake. And then uh, Chris uh, is like, oh, I guess we'll, you know, shake hands like you white folks do or whatever, which is kind of funny. I guess I didn't mention that Chris is black. He's, like, our only black character in this entire movie. Other than yeah. his uncle, I guess. Um, but his uncle was only in that one scene. Uh, so, yeah. So, a lot of the comedy about between these two it revolves around the fact that Chris is black and Wayne doesn't seem to care about his life very much. <laughs> like, he puts, like, Chris in danger so many times. But, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, Chris agrees. Uh, and he says, that, you know, Wayne, you can, you know, I have a free day tomorrow. You can buy a few hours of my life. And Wayne is very thrown off by Chris's attitude. He's like, I'm not sure how to take you. And then Chris is like, well, maybe we'll learn a little bit more about each other. And then, like, uh, you know, Wayne goes to go for another handshake again. But Chris isn't having it and just gives his hand a slap instead. So it's kind of funny. Uh, this, like, Chris is very clearly, like, a more charming and interesting character. I don't know why Wayne is our main character in this movie. Um, well, I mean, I guess I could probably venture again. On the laugh, the maniacal laugh going up the stairs. Yes. Well, yeah. 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 But, no, it's like, that's the thing is I think I can guess what it is. It's probably racism because... Wayne is a white yeah. guy, so obviously he has to be the main character. Um, so yeah, out on the boat, uh, which is called the Creation, uh, Chris is explaining uh, that yeah, this isn't a boat built for comfort to speed, but it is uh, the only thing that his family has ever owned. Uh, they arrive at the dive location off the coast of the power plant. Wayne has a weird moment where he's like, "I wish I could tell you more, but I don't know more." And Chris is like, "There's nothing to tell. I'm you're paid for fuel. You need some soil and water samples. I'm just here to do the dive for you, dude." I was like, yeah, man, like, I don't think that Chris cares about the big picture here. He doesn't understand how dire it is because you haven't explained it to him. Um, just a few scenes like of uh, the boat at different angles to show the passing of time. Uh, every once in a while, Chris will resurface with some samples. Um, I expected there to be like a tense scene where he like maybe encounters the creature or something, but it never happens. It's kind of yeah. an uneventful uh, situation here which i thought was kind of weird like they, they really did kind of set it up but again they they bring up the tide thing again they're in daylight so i don't know well i think the thing that kind of explains or they don't it, want to get wet well the thing that kind of explains it a little better is like right after this so whenever wayne uh is helping chris out of his dive gear when chris is done and has come up mm. uh chris is like there's nothing down there like not even any fish right. or anything and he says that's strange because fish like the warm water near a power plant so that's when we right. get our like hint that like something must have eaten them, aka the Slithus probably ate them. And that now that his area is like picked over, he's gone from there. So that's what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. It was like he's already hunted this area clean. Um and the movie kind of bears that out a little bit later, like a little bit. It doesn't yeah. do a great job of it, if I'm being honest. Cut to Wayne on the phone. Uh while Jeff is in bed reading a magazine. Uh, apparently the test results have shown that there is in fact Slithus in the samples. But there isn't radioactivity, which is confusing. Uh, but I'm guessing that just means there isn't radioactivity now, but there could have been at some point. Like, uh, I don't know much about Half-Lives, but I feel like it sticks around a little longer than that. Uh, Jeff, uh, uh, 
understandably explains that it will not be easy to convince anyone that the monster uh, made is made from radioactive dirt and is now killing people uh, since she barely believes it. I'm like, Jeff, do you even believe it, dude? Um, it's hard to tell if she actually believes it or not, because later on she kind of says, oh, shit, is it real? Um, next up is Wayne talking to Dr. John uh, uh, after having, according to him, his explanation, he struck out with the police like they did not have an interest mm-hmm. in what he had to say. We don't get to see that that instance with the police. We will see a later one. Um, so he wants to try to cut off the creature's access to the canal by closing the water lock at low tide uh, so that the water won't flow in. Um, so uh, Dr. John uh, takes umbrage because like uh, Wayne says we need to do it. And like Dr. John's like, what do you mean we? <laughs> like, why are we doing this? But then he's also the one with the key to like. Yeah, I was going to say he like really kind of. Yeah, like way to ham it up, Dr. John, because he has the key right. from his oceanologist friend. He had gotten the key to like the fences that like enclosed the lock that he was crucial to this plan. Because like, I think Wayne thought they were just going to have to break in. Too bad he didn't have a friend that was a driving instructor. Oh, shit. <laughs> got him dr john's got roasted him. for a scene in the future dude Fucking got him uh yeah so dr john goes in he shuts the water lock uh wayne's like i hope no one notices until tomorrow smash cut to a turtle race yeah what an event it. this turtle race is so, i know so it's like a bunch of red-eared sliders that are like in a middle like they're in a circle and then in a smaller circle in the middle there's like a enclosure and they lift it and all the turtles start running and the first turtle out of the circle i guess is the winner and some are decorated with like little umbrellas and stuff. It's like I don't know what this game is, but this is so cool. And like the one turtle, like like the lady picks up her turtle and gives it a kiss. I'm like, those carry diseases, but I also do love turtles. So I thought it was funny the one that had the island thing on the back. I wonder if they're, they're like, hey, camera guy, follow that one. Like specifically, like if you had to pick a turtle, pick that one. There are a couple turtles that they definitely follow. Like, and there's we see two yeah. races. And uh, both of them, we focus up on one turtle. It is the winner of that turtle race. Right. Yes, I love the turtle race. What a, what an event. But then a, a guy who will later learn is Doug uh, is with a young woman at the turtle race because that's a prime date spot. The woman we will learn is uh, Jennifer, right? That was her name. Yes. Yeah. So Je- Jennifer and, um, and Doug are leaving together because I guess... Uh, the allure, the allure and romance of the turtle race was too much for any woman to resist. Um, so they go out to his car. It's a blue Volkswagen Beetle, uh, and they're driving. And then we get just like a backstory dump on these two random characters that are one hundred percent gonna die. So we don't need all of this. But someone else wrote this, right? It's it's gotta be, yeah. This is probably the most effective dialogue in the entire movie. Yeah, it's weirdly I, yeah. effective for two characters you know are going to die. It was shot so well. Like, they spent so much time. They spent so much time with exposition. these two characters. Yeah, the exposition where she's explaining that she's from Suska, North Dakota. Population, what, 661 or something like that? Yeah, with the ball bearing. Like, we know too much about Yeah, we about know about this. the ball bearing plant. It's like the, the only industry in Suska, and that's like where everyone works and all anyone cares about. Like, why do we know so much about Suska, North Dakota? Is it even real? I never even looked it up to see if it was real. I just believe oh, it I'm now. I'm right now. Um, but yeah, so apparently Jennifer is, uh, what, staying with her cousin uh, who lives in Venice. Uh, and she is, and this is a weird kind of gross I felt like the situation was kind of gross. So Doug is like, I saw you got carded a couple of times. So I know you're old enough to party or whatever, but it's like, how old are you? And then she's like, 
well, I am 18. And he's like, he's, oh, it's like, I'm glad because, uh, you know, you look, you look like you could be older, like even 20. And like, and how are you, dude? Like 40? Like the dude looks ancient as shit. I mean, I think that Tell you people just had hard living in the 70s because I don't think a lot of young people look very young. <laughs> but the sigh of relief that I got from her saying she was 18, like, because <laughs> like, we brought the ID thing. I'm like, oh no, oh no. And then she brought, oh, what if I was younger? I'm like, no, please don't. Doesn't she say that? She's like, like, well, what if I was younger? That'd be such a problem. He's like, no, no, of course not. Yeah. But he says something like, yeah, I'm an instant dirty old man. I was like, is this sexy? <laughs> like, is this working for her? I mean, it seems to be. Um, so he's driving her to his boat in the marina, which is where he lives. Uh, and again, he makes a lot of like remarks like about how, wait, you see, so he's like, you're really nice looking. You have a nice tight body. And then she's like, I did a lot of sports in school. And he's like, I played a lot in school. Yeah, I played a lot in school. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't like any of this. Not like this. Yeah, it's not. I'm not comfortable with their relationship here. Like, well, don't worry. Neither is she, nor is Slithis comfortable with. Yeah, Slithis honestly is doing the Lord's work for this, this these two, because yeah. they just needed to be got gotten done. Um, so when they get to the marina, uh, she goes or he goes off to take a leak, which is weird because I got. Uh, you think you'd have to have a bathroom on the toilet or have a toilet on the boat? But um, yeah, he goes off to. That was a good one. <laughs> what? That was, that was a good one. A bathroom on the toilet. Yeah. Well, a toilet on the boat is what I meant. Whatever, you get it. You know what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, so he sends her, but he like sends her ahead blind, and her, like I felt like his instructions were not helpful. He's like, oh, just go to the end. It's the big, uh, the, what the big, uh, the one that's lit up and the big one. Yeah, the big great. one that's lit up. Like the like, it's like that doesn't seem helpful to me. It's the one with slithus on it. <laughs> yeah, it's the one with the slithus. Uh, so the music's kind of tense here. She's walking along the dimly lit dock. I was like, oh, is it possible she's going to get Slithis at some point? No. She will get to the boat and attempt to open the door to the cabin. Uh, but then a guy jumps out and jump scares her. Uh, but he also makes the Slithis roar, which I thought was weird. Like, how did he know how to do that? Um, and it's a guy named Rex who's a friend and neighbor of Doug. Um, mm-hmm. And... You know, she introduces herself to him. That's when we find out she's Jennifer. Like that entire time, we didn't. We knew everything about Suska, but we didn't know her name. So yeah, Suska's not real, by the way. No, they can't do this to me. Um, they did. Yeah. So yeah, Doug uh, remarks that uh, Rex was just leaving, and Rex, not one to miss a hint, uh, opts to leave so the two lovebirds can get started making out below deck, which they promptly begin to do. Um, you know, Doug goes and he lights a candle while Jennifer starts the romantic music. Uh, and then he pours some wine for them into two comically small snifter glasses. Like, what is that? Three ounces? Like, how, how is that even any right. wine? I don't, that's crazy to me. Um, and then when he hits the lights and he's like, and it gives like some red romantic mood lighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh so but then the dude like can like Doug continues to show that he hasn't have much game because he, he asks her what her curfew is. She's like, Why are you asking me that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, why are you asking her that, dude? And then he instantly changes gears and uh, says that she seems tense, so starts giving her a massage. Uh but then he stops out abruptly to start making out with her again and then tells her to come down below with him. 
Um, she doesn't seem too keen on that idea, uh, but Dote goes anyway because you know they're on a boat, so it's the implication. Um, then they're laying on a couch below deck, and she's concerned about the cabin door being open. And when she said that, I mm-hmm. thought she meant like unlocked, but it was just open. Because <laughs> she's like, what, what if your friend comes back or whatever? Uh, and then he's like, okay, I'll go uh, for you. I will shut the, the cabin door, uh, but you should get naked while I'm gone. <laughs> I'm like, man, this dude's got the subtlety of a freight train, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, luckily for us, uh, when he gets up there, as he grabs the door, he gets grabbed by a slithus. That uh, tosses him down and instantly slices his throat with its claw. So he's Dunzilla. And it starts mauling him in the most gruesome way possible. He's straight up disemboweled. That's what I'm saying. Like, PG, are you serious right now? Like, I'm looking at a man's guts. Yeah. Like, and there are a couple other scenes, too, where they, they gets, it gets a little too much innards. A lot of innards. Yeah. A lot more innards than you'd expect from a PG movie. There were some pissed parents. There had to in this theater. Yeah, assuming anyone yeah. saw this. But yeah, so right. Jennifer sure. goes to investigate because uh, she had heard um, the noise. Uh, but of course, you know, as soon as she gets there, Slithis turns his attention to her. And it begins what is potentially the longest murder scene in the history of murder scenes. Like it's killing her for so long, dude. And it's like throwing her around. And it's like kind of getting her into like sexually compromising positions, which I was like not comfortable mm-hmm. with, but granted the Slithis is only there to eat her. So at least he's not like doing anything untoward. Well, I mean, I guess eating someone is kind of untoward. What I'm saying is if you've ever seen humanoids from the deep, you know, it can get worse. So again, humanoids from the deep. I brought it up last time because of the stock footage from it. And I'll bring it up this time. It is like a grosser, sleazier version of this idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, like, at one point, like, what, rips her shirt open? Like, of course it is. Like, why wouldn't it? And she's... Well, the slow-mo didn't help. No, slow-mo, but it, it was still, like, it was, like, knocking her around the room like, right. for, like, so long. And she was screaming the entire time. Like, how right. how low did you have to turn down your TV volume so that I don't Very. get the cops called on me? Like, it was so loud. Uh, finally, though, it does mercifully end. She's dead, and it's chowing down. Um, yeah. Then we get a nice little cut to a loud phone ringing at the police station where a lieutenant is uh, like about to meet with Wayne. Uh, he gets a call mm-hmm. that like, hey, there's someone here to see you. Um, and I put this dude must have gotten acting lessons in a school where subtlety doesn't exist because he's doing the biggest performance <laughs> with an accent that Ever. doesn't exist anywhere on earth. <laughs> Wouldn't you say yeah, it was like it, it was. I think this is the prime example of overacting. It's like, and I too am dissatisfied with the performance of the investigators in this matter. Like he's talking like a fucking GI Joe villain. Yeah. Or like uh, someone who just popped out under a bridge. was like going to give you some quests. Like I wish fog would have rolled up behind him with like a crystal ball or something. Says, like, ah, welcome. I'll allow you to pass. If you have the correct items, <laughs> like, like I expect him to roll some arts while he's talking. <laughs> So yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, Wayne is Wayne is explaining that the murder. But, but what's funny though, that's what this movie's known for is that scene. Is it? I, from everything I've googled, it's the monster and the scene. That scene. That scene with the cop. He's like, like, what are you saying? That you turned off the locks? <laughs> yeah. That's against the law. I should throw you into prison. 
I'm calling he man. <laughs> and he prays. <laughs> and he prays. I mean, it is basically that. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Wayne is talking to this dude, and he's, like, uh, explaining the murder happened at the arena because he shut the locks to the canals. Cop's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's against the law. I could throw you in jail for that. Um, but the cop says, uh, you know what? I I am dissatisfied with the investigation so far. I can tell that you're just trying to be helpful, but I still don't believe the slippest nonsense. Um, so, but the lieutenant is like, I won't discount any possibility. Uh, let's have a police scientist come here and discuss with you what you think you know or whatever. Um, and then, uh, what is it? Whenever the, the, who does he say? Like, he's explaining that the sea life was all eaten and that's why the Slithus has finally moved on to eating dogs and people. Um, mm-hmm. the scientists, like after hearing everything is like, uh, organic mud is possible, but I don't believe that the Slithus exists. Uh, and the lieutenant is on the phone with the manager of the nuclear power plant. And he's like, they said they haven't had a re- uh, leak recently. And then Wayne's like, yeah, of course they would say they haven't had a leak. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, but in any case, it's over. Wayne's exhausted his police assistance. They're not going to help him anymore because the scientist is able to uh, acknowledge the existence of mud, but not the existence of the Slithus monster. So um, we get we cut to an outdoor meeting between our four heroes. That is Wayne, Jeff, Chris, and Dr. John. Uh, they're talking about the possibility of taking on the Slithus themselves since they can't rely on the authorities. Um, Chris, this is kind of funny. He's like, Chris remarks that like uh, Wayne could have gotten him eaten when he sent him down there. Like He's like, I, I could have been killed by that monster. And Wayne's like, that was a chance I was willing to take. And like Chris is like, ah, smart-ass white boy. It's like, why is Chris so much more interesting than any other character in this thing? Yeah. I so when when he first showed up, I'm like, "Oh god, I really hope this turns into like a jaws kind of thing." Wait, he's like the I, quint I mean, of the movie? Nah, just like the fact that there's going to be a boat and there's going to be a fight on the water and it's like the showdown and it pays off. But well, I think he is a quint in that he's probably the most interesting character in the movie. As compared to the, like, not to discount Roy Scheider or Richard Dreyfuss's performances, but you got to admit that Robert Shaw just, like, when he's on screen, he's, ta- he's like, chewing that scenery from them. Like, like yeah, he, for sure. he's, like, taking it's it. It's not even fair. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, this dude is, like, the Quint character of this movie because he's, like, the one who's, like, right. way more interesting. I mean, Dr. John is also kind of cool, but um, basically everyone is kind of good, but Wayne. I, I hate Wayne. <laughs> Right. Um, but yeah, so Chris is like, I have a couple friends who would be happy to go on a monster hunt. Uh, and then we get like another weird shortcut where they're like in a different part of that park they're in, <laughs> they're like by a statue and the team's like, all right, we're moving forward with the plan. The plan is Dr. John and Jeff are going to cut off the canal at low tide. Uh, Chris and Wayne with a couple of monster hunter friends will, uh, chase the creature wherever it ends up using sonar and wherever it ends up going to feed, they'll follow it there. Um, and then, uh, what is it? The ship that night it's, uh, we meet the, we don't really meet them, but we hear about who the two people are, who are the friends. They were Mike and Nicholas and they had set the shit up, uh, the ship, geez, the ship. They set the <laughs> ship up with night lights and a they did set that shit up. <laughs> they did set that shit up. They set the ship up with night lights and a spotlight. So they're going to be able to see everything that's in the water. 
Um, so why did they need to wait to close the canal? That didn't make sense to me. Um, Cause can they just fucking close it? I thought that they didn't know where the slithis was. So once they knew where it was and knew it was heading to the canal, they could shut it. Cause if they shut it before then it would be trapped in the canal, which is where they did not want it. Right. That was what I wow. thought, but I, they don't really explain that why they had to wait. But anyways, uh, Chris takes a moment to show off his shotgun to Wayne and Wayne's like, well, the Duns had a pistol and that didn't work at all on the monster. And Chris is like, oh, this ain't no pistol. I'm like, yeah, dude, Wayne, a shotgun and a pistol. Like it's a huge difference in firepower. Like one of these is banned in use of war. <laughs> Look, uh, but anyways, uh, you know, uh, when they're on the boat, like Wayne's asking Chris, like, what time is it? He's like falling asleep. And, uh, you know, Chris is like, it's one thirty. It's like time isn't just moving slowly. It's stopped. But then like he manifested it. The sonar gets a ping revealing that Slith is real and is there. Cause again, most of these people are taking it on faith and um, right. Yeah. So yes, uh, Chris is like, Oh, it's huge. And then he like wakes up Mike and Nicholas who had fallen asleep. He's like, Hey, we got to go after the Slith So Wayne hails Jeff on the radio. Uh, has to do it a few times. Cause her and Dr. John have fallen asleep in the car. Uh, he tells her that Dr. John needs to close the lock now because they are following the creature. And Jeff is surprised. He's like, oh, you actually found something? It's like, man, all these people just took on faith that Wayne knew what he's doing and went along with it, even though they didn't seem to believe it. And Wayne doesn't seem like a charming enough character to engender that amount of loyalty to me. Right. Um, but yeah, so Jeff wakes up Dr. John. He runs over and closes the lock. Um, you know, on the radio, Wayne tells her that uh, they need to stay awake because they don't know what the creature will do now that it's like access to the canal is blocked. Um, for some reason, the boat can't come any closer to the shore, I guess, because of the breakers, the rocks, the breakers. Um, so he isn't sure how far the creature will go. Uh, Jeff thinks she hears something, uh, but isn't sure. So Dr. John, uh, because it's a movie, uh, gets out to go investigate. Um, and of course, once he gets too close to the water, what do we get, Shane? Slithis pops out. Slithis. Slithis jump scare. So yeah, Dr. John runs back to the car, but uh, it's a horror movie. So of course the car won't start. Uh, so Slithis is doing like, you remember those bonus levels in Street Fighter where you like, beat the hell out of a car? Yeah, you just bash the car. Yeah, so yeah. Slithis is just beating. Perfect. The, yeah, he's just beating the hell out of the car. Uh, and he smashes it so much that like, like he punches a door off, but he doesn't seem to realize he can now get in the car. Uh, but the car finally starts, but uh, Dr. John, you know, being a terrible driver, backs up and hits another car and flips it. I'm like, where did that car come from and where was it going? <laughs> what was it even doing there? The Slithis has climbed up onto the hood of the car. Uh, it's relentless. Uh, so Dr. John, like, tells Jeff, like, get out of the car. So she bails out while it's moving. And Dr. John just goes in, like, ramps the car into the water. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, I'll kill it with water, the place where it lives. Um but it seems like it's it like, get in. Yeah. It floors it. It seems like it got in uh, or that it worked well enough that the Slithis fled and Dr. John, it comes out of the water and he's cool. So yeah, Jeff says that she thinks the Slithis is dead, but Wayne's like, nah, we have it on sonar. It's still very much alive because you put it into water where it lives. And what, what is it? Wayne says like, like, um, like Chris says something like, Oh, it doesn't seem like it's hurt at all. And Wayne's like, it might not even be able to feel pain. It's like, where did you get that from? <laughs> like, what do you mean he can't feel pain? Like, what? A, like, he's clearly not a scientist because he's just making can, assumptions. Can I stop you for a second? No. Did you 
Did you mean to make that Street Fighter reference because of um, Dennis Fault? No. Because he's the narrator in Street Fighter 2. No, I didn't even think about that. He is, yeah, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo, yeah. No, I didn't even think about that. I just thought about how... You should claim that. That's a good reference. In Street Fighter, you just beat the hell out of a car. Yeah. Which is is what the Slipus is doing. Maybe that's why they did it, Shane. They did it because of the scene. Street Fighter did it. Yeah. Street Fighter did it because of the scene. I'm sure they're like, you know what, guys? We have to make this more slithesy. Uh, not enough movies are enough slithis. No. Is this movie slithist enough? I can't believe that slithis didn't kill them. Like that to me was I. I, uh, I don't think he understands like, what cars are though. Yeah, because I feel like he thought the car was a being. Right. Um. But anyway. that would have been cooler if he would have turned into a car. <laughs> Transformers. <laughs> But yeah, so um, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Chris is like, yeah, we got to get that Slithis to chase after us. And Wayne wondering how that can happen. Uh, Chris is like, we'll dump Chum into the water, dude. Like he reminds Wayne that at the end of the day, Slithis is still a fish and Chris is a fisherman. Which again, <laughs> making Chris still the most interesting dude in this movie. Um, He's like, hey, Wayne, uh, you're just like a fucking journalist kind he's of. an english teacher basically like get out yeah. of here you're way out of your element dude yeah um so yeah so chris explains his plan is to wear it down and then pull it in with a net uh wayne's alarmed uh since he, we saw it demolish a car like we should call the coast guard but chris is very protective of it he's like no 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 no. an open call to the coast guard will bring out other fishermen and possibly spook slithis away so he uses that logic to convince you know wayne not to call the coast guard even though they right. probably should have at this point um, right. Yeah, but uh, as if uh, engines failing to to run properly is a trend, the boat engine suddenly cuts off. They lose power. Um, you know, Chris has Mike uh, uh, Mike take the helm while he goes to investigate below deck. Uh, since they just baited the creature, he doesn't want to be without power because they're basically dead in the water, and Slithis right. will come to them. So yeah, so basically, what, this is a very weird scene. So um, Wayne goes and gets water. Because the engine overheated and he brings it in, but he says, well, I can't wet it or it'll crack the block because uh, it's mm-hmm. too hot. So it's yep. like we have to wait and let it cool down before we can do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, shut the door so the guys on deck don't hear about this. It's like, uh, yeah, shutting the door will make it so you don't hear them die soon. <laughs> yeah. Also, they know more about the boat motor than than Wayne. Yeah. Wayne should not be there. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no question. Like maybe if it was a instead of the boat motor, it was about a, a Associated Press style guide. He might be able Catch twenty two. <laughs> hey, Catch twenty two is a good book. That's one of my favorite books. I, uh, it's a good book. Anyways, I feel like that might have been a s- slight on me because it's one no. of my favorite books, and I majored in English. But yeah, anyways, uh, Nicholas uh, asks Mike to light up the big light, but it's dead. Uh, so Mike goes looking for a flashlight. But of course, while he's away getting the flashlight, uh, Nicholas basically gets like insta killed by a clawed face slap to the face. Um, like he basically like gets clawed to the face. He turns around, hits his face on the back, and then we get to see his face all bloodified. But then he's basically dead. Like he's toast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike uh, is you know getting attacked by Slithis POV, the little plastic bottle thing. Um, he's mm-hmm. trying to crawl away. And then he what tries to this is a pretty gruesome kill in my opinion. So he yeah. tries to climb up the winch, like the the winch for like the netting and stuff. 
yep. and he kind of fails to do it and the the he's getting clawed in the back by the the um by the slithis and then he like falls backwards with his feet still on the winch like like his legs wrapped around the winch and has been disemboweled upside down and the creatures is like devouring him while he's upside down and stuff Right. Um, Wayne comes out and sees the aftermath because they didn't hear the guys dying because Chris told them to shut the door for no good reason. And then what the winch kind of like spins a bit and um, Mike's body falls into the sea. So that's the end of Mike's corpse. Right. Um, Chris tells Wayne to use the shotgun. And look, I was raised around guns. You were raised around guns. We know a shotgun is not a a beginner gun you don't start with that so the fact that this dipshit didn't realize that a shotgun was way more powerful than a pistol and now we're watching like for some reason chris is having him fire a shotgun for the first time in this high stakes moment is ridiculous to me right number one the dude like is probably like getting recoiled out the ass he's probably got like a bruise the size of like his entire shoulder but like, there's no way that he's the person that should be firing this gun. Am I right? Am I am I just thinking crazy? I agree with you. Yeah. But if if I had to, if I had three guns on the table, a pistol, a shotgun, and a rifle, and I wanted someone to hit something, and I never shot a gun before, I'm gonna give him the shotgun. <laughs> what was the? Wasn't that the joke from Tombstone? Where it's like, uh, like uh, Doc Holliday's shaky because like he's fe- looking really shaky today. He's like, oh, then give him the scatter gun. <laughs> Like yeah, you won't right. miss with that. <laughs> Dude, that's a great movie. That's probably my favorite Western. Uh, it's up there for me. Yeah. Like yeah. probably top three. I love quick and the dead too. I know a lot of people don't like that movie. I actually love that movie. Well, that's uh, um, Gene Hackman. Oh, is that Gene Hackman? I thought it was, uh, he's the bad guy. Yeah. But isn't the hero. Um, what's his name? The guy does like the, the Dodge commercials, right? Uh, yeah. Which Dodge commercials? The ones where he talks in a deep, like, country voice and there's like a little guitar playing. It's like, Dodge Ram no. goes real no, fast. It's, it's, it's Russell Crowe. What? Really? Yeah, Russell, Russell Crowe is the, the. You're thinking of uh, Sam Elliott? Yeah. Yeah, he's not in Quick and the Dead. Yeah, he's... Quick, Quick and the Dead's the, the shooting competition movie. Leo DiCaprio's in it. What's the Sam Elliott one? Gary Sinise. Uh, I don't know. He's in so many that have a title so similar to that that it would be, it would take us a half hour to get through it. Yeah, Tobin Bell. I mean, I the that that movie is. If you haven't seen Quick and the Dead, I highly recommend it. It's very good. Uh, He was in an earlier version of it. He was in the 1987 version of Quick and the Dead. Ah, okay. There you go. Sam Elliott, Tom Conti, Kate Capshaw. Uh, Kenny Morrison, Matt Clark. <laughs> that didn't take us that very long to find it. I found it instantly. <laughs> but yeah, that's the one with Sam Elliott. Was the, the that was one I always think of when I think of Quick and the Dead. I wonder is this the same? Is it the same premise? It's based off a novel by Louis L'Amour, so I assume yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, all right, top three westerns. Oh, go. it was a TV movie. That's why. Yeah, but I, I still saw it. So. Yeah. No. You, yeah, you're right. Top three westerns go. Oh. Um, can we count remakes and in the same, like just the same story or do you want the actual movie? No, and everything counts because Westerns as a genre are one of the most like complex genres. So yeah, you can do any, any number of, 
of versions. So I think for me, Tombstone, for sure, number one for me. Uh, number number two, I want to say Unforgiven, but I'm not going to give it that. Um, I also love True Grit, both of them. Uh, but I love, um, because I love Kurosawa films, and I this is... They, they all tie in, right? Because Kurosawa liked westerns, and um, but what is it? The uh, Magnificent Seven is that what it's called? Yeah, that's yeah. the western version of Seven Samurai. Yeah, yeah. So like that to me is probably it, and Tombstone. If it wasn't for Val Kilmer, and uh, like I think that Doc Holliday is my favorite. Like I, he did such a good job. No, he did um, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it would it would definitely be second but i i love tombstone so much um and then third probably either quick and the dead or young guns interesting good choices i love i love young guns uh quick but the, the reason i like quick and the dead more than young guns is um you know I, young guns definitely had the uh like the hey we're the brat pack kind of thing going on um we're quick and the dead like him killing his own son like you know what i mean like there was a lot of stuff going oh spoiler alert uh, but there was a lot, there was a lot of cool stuff going on and quick in the dead that I really liked. So spoiler alert for like a, what? 30 year old movie at this point. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I, I probably would have to go. Oh, one thing too. And the quick in the dead, the, the feature film, uh, was same Ra- Sam Raimi was the director. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's so good, dude. You should watch it. It's really good. I guess Sorry, for okay, me, you're three. I do like the idea of taking one of the Kurosawa inspired ones on the table, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. you have your Yojimbo version, which is, um, uh, what, uh, a fistful of dollars, um, for a few dollars more, um, I guess for a few dollars more than based off of one of them, a fistful of dollars is, um, any of the Sergio Leone Westerns have a special place. So I'd probably go number one for me is once upon a time in the West. Sergio Leone's Ooh. like I, his masterpiece. That's such a good one. Man, yeah, the yeah. man with the harmonica. Um, man, it's hard to pick. Uh, probably if I was doing only top three, maybe uh, Sam Peckinpah's The Wild Bunch. Have you have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I like the the level of like realism and the violence. Like clearly inspired Quentin Tarantino, like directly. Um, yeah, and then probably. If I have to pick only three, then I have to go to kind of like the foundational level. And it has to be like something from John Ford. And they're like two mm-hmm. John Ford Westerns that I think are morally complex and interesting. Ford Apache and The Searchers. And I think I'll probably go with The Searchers. I've never seen The Searchers. It's really interesting. It's probably my favorite like John Wayne performance. The character he plays is like unabashedly a bad guy. Like he's just not a good person. And mm-hmm. it's just like interesting to see like this prototypical heroic character actor, basically. I mean, they call him like a star actor. Like he's like, it's like a, it's his, he always plays the same character, basically. But it's like this time he doesn't. Like it's a really morally gray kind of interesting kind of character. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's been like so many, it's been analyzed to death at this point. Like you can find tons of articles and like reads of different parts of that movie online. Um, but yeah, so the searchers is probably gonna be my number three. So I probably shouldn't leave out the another one in the top it, top ten for me though is Shane, which is what I'm named after. What? My so my mom would probably be pissed at me if I didn't bring that up. But. Come back, Shane. 
Shane. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so. And actually, I think a really cool, like, kind of underrated one is actually uh, Kevin Costner's Open Range. Have you ever seen that one? Yeah, yes, that is, that is very good. Yeah, that's an interesting, like, like, that's kind of a revisionist Western. Honestly, Westerns have kind of yeah. gotten to the point where they went from, like, like the, you know, the archetypal stage to the parody stage to the, revi- the revisionist stage. And they kind of circled back around to, like, the archetypal stage, but with, like, more of an awareness of the context that they're working in. And I feel like because open range isn't really a revisionist Western, but it is like kind of like a realistic, more like a period piece than it is a Western, I guess I would say. Right. But it very much is still Western. So, yeah, good talk. The good aside. This is why people come here is to hear us. Yeah. Well, like I, we joked about the no, I, I mean, I really wasn't joking about the 80s, 90s action movies, but I honestly would do a Western themed stuff, too. Um, or we could just maybe spin off and do just like blocks of like different styles of like film, but it, it kills me. Um, I, cause I, I think the Western genre is so just like, there's so much left there to tell and not even like the stories, just the style. Um, I love horror Westerns. We don't get a lot of them. No, we do not. Um, so, um, at any point in time, I would always love to rotate and, and tremors counts. Be real. Of course it does. Yeah. So Tremors always counts. All right. Let's get out of the, <laughs> the Great West and finish this movie. All right. Yeah. We're done with the Wild Wild West. Yeah. Jim West Desperado. Yeah. Five will. <laughs> Five will goes west. Also a good movie. Very good. Um. All right. So where were we before we got on that aside? It was uh, our guys were. De- oh yeah. It was like when Chris is telling Wayne Mike's to dead. use the, yeah, shotgun. the shotgun. So yeah. So he shoots yeah. it a few times, but doesn't seem to do anything to the Silithus. It seems to be going strong. Um, what is it? Chris wants to use the net to snare the creature. Uh, and if you're wondering, like, how's that even going to work? He had said earlier that it's like stronger than steel and can pull up a great white. So he believes that this like net will work. Um, but to get to the net, he, sure he has to go to the winch, which is by where the Slithis is. So he's like walking <laughs> over and the Slithis is just looking at him like, you serious, dude? <laughs> like, you, you're trying to walk by me right now? Uh, so that results in Slithis just like absolutely like wrecking his day. It's like like clawing at his like f- his like front, like clawing up his belly and stuff like that. Like Wayne mm-hmm. comes in to try to help, but he's like useless and he gets like tossed to the side and hits his head. So we get a long, lengthy scene of Chris getting shredded up. He's doing a good job of like uh, putting up a fight, you know, so that at least like he's able to stop from fatal damage. And he does like mm-hmm. pull a knife out and just stab the Slithis. Uh, through the shoulder, I believe, and it stops the Slithis briefly from attacking. Uh, it, ta- it comes back and starts attacking him again, uh, but then from behind, Wayne shows up with a chain and is beating the Slithis with the chain. There's just like a long fight of them just like beating on the Slithis with just whatever they have on them. Uh, Wayne gets tossed aside again, uh, and he starts to reload the shotgun. Uh, Chris is now beating the creature with like some kind of rod, like... I don't know what he what exactly was he grabbed that time, but he's like beating the hell out of the Slithis with that. Um, Wayne, you know, goes and shoots the Slithis a couple more times, but he only loaded like three shotgun shells in, so like he's done with ammo already. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns around to come at him though, because it's like kind of tired of getting shot. So when the Slithis turns around, Chris suddenly with an axe in his hand, <laughs> like like axes the thing from behind and like the upper shoulder kind of lower neck area, like right in the carapace and mm-hmm. like, like the law, lo- the ax gets lodged in the carapace 
and the creature's like flopping around trying to get the axe out, you know, it's not happy about it. So while it's distracted, uh, Chris grabs the anchor, like an anchor from the boat. And then what like jams it into the creature's throat, like between where like the carapace ends and the meaty flesh begins. But before like that. Okay. Head... What's that called? Since you know what a carapace is. What? So the care, like what's that called? The f- meaty flesh between the carapace and like the head. Well, so the bottom's called something different. I don't know. I believe it's called the plastron. I've been, I've been trying to flex on you all. Like I've been waiting for this moment. Is it called a plastron? I think I think that's the stomach part. So like between like the neck. I, I know I know what you're saying though. C- continue. I'm just being No, I think you're right. So. I think it is called plaster on. You got me. Got me in one. Um so yeah, it's in between like the the plaster and its uh in its head shell. Uh mm. shoves the then in there. And then you get like a cool moment of like the um like the what the uh it turns into like a negative image, like the the negatives of the film kind of like where the the mm-hmm. the black parts are white and then like the but then instead of having the other the light parts be white uh be black they're kind of red this is like an interesting moment of like that was a fatal blow i guess um so yeah the creature goes down the injured heroes have a quick debate about what to do with the corpse and i feel like this is like a weird 180 for chris cuz chris just wants to throw it into the ocean and then wayne's like we need to keep it it's proof and chris is like of what like our Mike and Nicholas are dead. Uh, this thing is, it stinks. Like no one's going to ever admit to existing. I'm like, yeah, dude, but it is a miracle of science. And you were also hunting it this whole time. Why do you just want to like toss it in the trash now? But uh, Wayne probably tired from like the battle uh, doesn't put up much of a fight. So he just pushes the body into the water and lets it slide away. Like the body, the chain slides are alongside it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Chris says like, it's better this way. Uh, because it doesn't belong with us. It's like, what do you mean belong with us? It's a, it's a slithus. <laughs> but Shane, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's over? No, it's not over. We get a jump it's scare. The slithus coming out and reaching out of the water and grabbing Wayne's leg, and he screams. And we get a freeze frame on Wayne's dies. face. Oh yeah, I hope he dies for sure. That's why it's like the sequel would have to address the fact that like, uh, Wayne died, and then it was uh, Chris who killed the thing. And then hopefully Chris then married Jeff so she didn't have to be married to another dipshit intellectual asshole. <laughs> and that is Slithis. And scene. Slithis. Slithis. <laughs> Hail Slithis. I do like that in the, you, we like joked around about how like it was hard to pronounce last time. But mm. this, in the movie they make a joke about that. Yeah. So... They're like really, really like, hey, if we if, if we like pay, if we make a wink and a nod to the fact that it's hard to say, it's like it's not hard to say anymore. It's like, no, it's still hard to say, dude. Slithis is hard to say. So now we do McMurder in the movie and I'm McMurder of the movie. <laughs> I don't I don't because they didn't show a lot of the murdering. Like there's some aftermath, I guess. Does that actually count? It can if it's if it's good enough. You thinking of like Helen's murder or something? Yeah, I mean Our I've got one in my brain. Yeah, that was cool, but I've got one that I think I've got one. You don't want to do yeah. the one, two, three, and say at the same time, do you? Because I don't. Well, we haven't been on the same page in a long time. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think, I think, I think I know who. Okay, I'll, we can do it. Do you want to do it? 
You want to try it? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. You can count it in. So I'll just count to three and then we say it? Yeah. All right. One, two, three. Mike. Mike. Yeah. It is Mike. It yeah. is Mike. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I agree. It is Mike. Because he's getting like clawed. Up. He's like crawling away and then crawls up onto the winch and gets his back clawed up and then gets stuck and falls backwards and gets disemboweled. And yeah. it's like eating on him. I'm like, oh, Mike, you didn't deserve this. Mike, how could you? No, I couldn't remember. I didn't know if it was Mike or the other guy or Nick. So I was like, Ugh. yeah, no, Nicholas is the one that got the headshot, yeah. he- right. headshot tater tot. So yeah, he was he was Dunzilla real fast. But yeah, no, Mike had to deal with sure. like, deal with it. The only other one I thought was like a possible contender was um, uh, uh, what is it? Doug, his disembowelment is like rapid. But I feel like that one is sullied by the fact that we get like an eight minute death scene of like Jennifer <laughs> that gets like yeah. really like creepy in some ways. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not happy with that one anymore. It's like in order the direction was going with this one. It's just kind of. Yeah. So no, definitely Mike. Yeah. It's Mike all day. Yeah, for sure. All day. All day soon. All right. We did well, it. We that, settled on it. We, we know that. Yeah. We made murder of the movie at the same time. It's been so it's long been... since we did it, even though it wasn't yeah. quite at the same time because I counted and then said it too fast but i mean i can the the powers of editing yes make it seem like we said it at the same time <laughs> um so i guess what we do next is our judgment categories As uh, listeners know, the judgment categories is where we take five categories and we assign a letter grade to each. We have story, which includes writing. We have acting, effects. We have music, which can include sound design. And then finally is cult factor, that little X factor that makes these movies so special. So we'll start with the story and the writing. Why don't you take this one? You know what? It's a lot like Jaws. It is. That's what I say. They're like they set up a lot of Jaws moments. I'm like, man, they really wish this was Jaws. And I like wonder because like Jaws came out in what year did Jaws come out? Was it seventy seventy six? Is it seventy six or seventy seven? Let me look it up. Seventy five. We were both wrong. Oh no. The book, the novel was in seventy four though. Have you ever read the novel? I have not. It's much better. Is it good, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, it's super good. That's a good movie. Yeah, Peter Benchley rules. No, the movie's great, but the the book is just really it's different in a lot of ways. But um, yeah. Anyways, this isn't. We're not here to talk about Jaws. We're here to talk about Slithis. Yes, it definitely like feels like it's trotting a lot of the ground that we've already seen. I do like the twist of it being like a man-made thing, like the Slithis being a thing. But I also think it gets a little bit like, uh, I kind of up its own ass with like techno jargon. Like, so it's like yeah, mud, sure. but like mud that becomes a being, and the being takes on the. It's like I think you could have like. Sh- made this a little easier on us to get to the point where we understand what a slit this is. And then also like, did that scientist go to Georgia ever? Because like, it's kind of what happens with the stuff. <laughs> it's, yeah, it definitely is. It's the stuff. It's just stuff all over again. I mean, this is pre stuff for sure, but yeah, like 
the grounding of the movie on um a English teacher isn't is weird or journalism teacher I guess is what you call it is an interesting mm-hmm. choice but he also sucks so bad that it's like even though that's an interesting story decision I feel like he he's terrible but I feel like every character around him is like so much more interesting like I love uh Dr. John I've said it before and I'll say it again I love Chris I think he's great like um you know, you have your random one-off characters that just exist to die and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, and I like Jeff, even though I don't understand why her name's Jeff. Uh, but she's interesting, too. So I feel like if it weren't the... Like, not every movie has to be original. You can execute upon wealth, like well-trodden ground. Yeah. And it still be a good and effective execution of it. But because our main character is such a dickhead... I don't see how I could go higher than B. But what are your thoughts on that on the story? I I think that to, th- like when I watch this, this seems like they had three things going on or four things, and they rammed it into one movie. Um, the the really well written and well executed dialogue between uh, Jennifer and I don't, what's the what's the creep guy's name? Um, who's the creepy guy? Doug. Doug. Yeah, Doug. Yeah, so the the dialogue between Jennifer and Doug was so well done. I'm like, this couldn't have been, like, this had to be something else that they just were like, hey, we've got this, like, two-page script thing we have. Like, let's just add this into this movie. You know, I'm I'm cool with B. I think that the story's not bad. You can follow it. I think some of the choices they made were really weird, and, like, their editing was questionable, like the jump cuts that they did. Because honestly, it's an awesome nuclear waste monster. Like, who doesn't like that? No, yeah, it's. I uh, mean, like, you have to really try hard to yeah. not get me interested in it. And I was interested in it. Like, that's the thing is, yeah. even though I can see the faults in it, I I never had a hard time paying attention to it. And like, I didn't get too hung up on the techno jargon mud crap. Like, I I, I kind of knew that was coming once they brought in the crazy like soft spoken like Bond villain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, this is gonna be like a bunch of shit that won't matter. Um, so I, I thought it was kind of interesting, but I never really got hung up on that. So like, to me, like, I, I think what brought it down for me the most is just like, just how it wasn't, it doesn't, didn't flow well. And I don't know if how much of that is storyboard and writing or if that's, you know, just filmmaking. So I don't know. I think this, okay. I'll say it this way. I think this movie was hurt by having the same director and writer because I feel like he had a vision for something and no one, I don't, I feel like he couldn't be talked off a ledge. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I understand that. You know what I mean? Like there was no one for him to bounce ideas off of. Yeah. There should have another voice in the room to like give him. For sure. I'm sure that producers did what they could, but yeah. At the end of the day, I mean, that's a huge assumption though too. Yeah, that's true. That's fair. Cause it does seem like it was, it's a small production too. Yeah. So, all right. Well then we will give it a B. Because, you know what? It's a, it's a mud monster with a carapace. Comes out of the water, kills you. So, can't go wrong with that. But next up is acting. So, you got to give it an S tier because of that Lieutenant. Slithus. Because <laughs> S for Slithus. But, no. I'm actually, considering that a lot of these actors were kind of one-offs. 
I'm surprised by how good the performances are in this. Like, I didn't really. I agree. Like, no one really blew me out of the water except maybe Chris and maybe the, the lieutenant. lieutenant. Yeah. It, well, he's goofy, fun, goofy in, in a goofy way. But like the I fact love that, that like though. so many of the actors like were barely in anything else, but like they still like effectively delivered their lines and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I even like had a fun time with like the when Preston and, and Bunky, the two winos, were hanging out. Right. And like one's like it's like, Did you just shit yourself? It's like, no, it's just a fart. It's like it just seemed like it was an interesting like di- like dynamic. So I feel like I kinda have to go A on this. I don't know if I'm crazy. I like agree. am I just like, nah. yeah. <laughs> like feel free to call me out if you think it's too crazy but no and like even and like that's the thing you go back to writing was wayne supposed to be hated i don't know um even he didn't do a terrible job like like there were some points that were kind of weird like uh when he when he ran into bunky like when he found bunky in that like hostel or whatever he was staying in um i thought the lines were a little forced for him not Bunky's, dude. The, like honestly, like whoever played Bunky should have been the main guy. Yeah, that actor who played Bunky was really interesting. And yeah, he, he, he played he that character it. really well. Yeah, I know. And then, like there was the whole thing with like he had all that exposition and dialogue and stuff about the war, like and apparently Australia. Uh, <laughs> for some reason, Australia. Yeah. For some reason, Australia. I think that's what he said. He did. Um, but, he definitely did. So I, you know, I, I really think um, I'm, I'm okay with a honestly. Nice. All right. We're giving an A yeah. to acting and slip this. Like, who would have thought? Yeah. What a time to be alive. Yep. But now we're going to get into possibly uh, more complex territory with the effects. Yeah. So Zero explosions. So automatic zero. F. Yeah. Look, I think, and I'm just going to, I want to start off with a hot take. Okay. Love it. I think this movie would have been better if it was in black and white. A hundred percent. I think that interesting. I think I think the atmosphere, like the music, would have fit that motif a little bit better. I think that um, because the blood was not very good, like sometimes it was way too tomato. Um, well, that but that's seventies blood, baby. That's like how blood I, is, like you know, Dirty Harry, like anything that's like a seventies. I get movie, it. It's always like a weird kind of too vibrant color for what blood should be, what we expect right. blood to be. But is that because of our? Is that because of our remaster? Like, cause, because we're watching an upscaled, like that, see, that's where this gets kind of weird. I think this movie in 15 years is going to look kind of cheesy more, like more than it like does. It already, yeah. I, it, I don't, it already looks yeah, pretty cheesy. It can't be, would be a better way. I think if this was black and white, this would, this would stand the test of time with other stuff. Cause it, it, it leaves a lot to imagination for me. Like I, I like black and white movies. Um, I think that you do lose some of the really vibrant colors on the, the monster, but I think this movie would have benefited from being black and white personally. Um, like look, look at night of the living dead. I like the black and white version better than the in color version, even color corrected. Um, but what well, was originally in the black and white, the colors, the color correct. versions are yeah. Post yeah. like, yeah. Right. But I, I think that movie is more effective in black and white. Cause either way um the other thing this you see is godzilla probably... minus one minus colors coming to the united states for a weekend at the end of i didn't know that. we we need to go see that i'm going <laughs> um i think this is one of the best monsters i've ever seen in a movie like i love this monster design dude dude i like so how he's good. a little chonkier like he's like a like a beefy boy you know because he lives in the water he's allowed to be a chonker like like he's got his like sh- his carapace he's got his claws 
You know, he's got like the fact that his eyes look like they're actual eyes of a monster is crazy to me. Like he actually looks like it doesn't look like it's that dude's eyes in the outfit. It looks like it's actual eyes on that creature. Which is why yeah, whenever so you get sunken. like Yeah, whenever you get like these uh, yeah. like shots of his face, I'm surprised that the eyes look so realistic. Like I expected that to be like a cringe point and instead it isn't. I'm like what an impressive costuming situation they were in. And they were not afraid to show it off, which I think is remarkable. Yeah, like a first lot of, scene, a like lot as soon of, as it walked yeah. into that house. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But a lot of movies don't zoom in on the face. Like, so I had some gripes with the makeup, like the doctor, like you could see his makeup coming off of his face. Like, and I'm not, look, I couldn't do that myself. Right. So I'm not trying to like put down someone that does this because I, they, they do better than I do, but you could see where the makeup was coming off of him. Like, I mean, it was, it was clear. I mean, you could literally see the line where they glued it. Like it was pretty bad. Yeah, you're um, talking about Aaron uh, Burick, right? Like, yeah, yeah, Aaron, his, yep. yeah, his his uh, messed up. But face again, is that like, because our image is so sharp now? I don't know. But um, well, like, I think l- f- we're lucky that they don't dwell on him much. Like, it's literally just Correct. like a like a shock moment, and then they move on. Yeah. So, like, s- some of the gore aftermath gore was like a little too like campy for me. Um, but the fact that they're like, "Hey, we made this bitchin' monster, and we're gonna zoom in on its face," like blew me away i'm like i'm like that's some balls right because i mean that thing you, like i'm looking at the photo right now of it on imdb and it's it's menacing like it's just in your face i love it this is i'm, I'm serious i think this is probably one of the best practical monsters i think i've ever seen in a movie ever they definitely yeah they definitely put in a lot of work on that and then hearing that like yeah. you know what when when conduct had to like be sewn into it every day is like yeah. man that sucks like i said it like it gives me the willies as somebody who wouldn't want to be sewn into a suit all day, but it worked. Like it looked so good, like from every angle, like there's no angle where Mm -hmm. it didn't look like it was a solid monster design. And I actually really enjoyed the gore effects of the kills when they happened. Like maybe the aftermath ones are a little much, like you said, like the the dog, like it was just like, like, I don't know. It just didn't look real, but the, um, the, the disembowelments and stuff that it did, like Great. even that one of the Jennifer's like getting killed, like made me uncomfortable because yeah. of the l- amount of time that it lasted, but mm-hmm. it looked good. Like that was a damn good looking effect scene. Like the, the gore and the blood and like, like Doug getting disemboweled right before her and the thing chowing down. It was just mm-hmm. like, so like, so good. Like with like the kill effects and like uh Mike, like we ob- obviously loved the Mike yeah. kill. Like what a kill man, like guts falling out. Again, PG movie, maybe not, but like still, like I, yeah. I like even with the misgivings on some of the aftermath. This is a safe effects, A, dude. I still have to go A. Yeah, I still yeah, have to go A. Yeah, this is a safe A. That monster that, that, design is t- too good. And the fact that like, he never could get funding for a, a sequel is a crime against humanity. <laughs> I would have loved to see another adventure of Chris dealing with more Slithus monsters. Like that would have been so fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this thing. It's just, it's unbelievable. Like the scene, one of my favorite scenes is when Bunky sees it for the first time and it's just full. Like it's unbelievable how well they they, they did put it. And they put it like right up on it in a way that like it imitates probably how Bunky experienced it because he's like walking up expecting a dude who just crawled out, like just swam out of a canal. And he's like trying to like help the dude out, give him a drink, warm him up. And then it's this thing. And he's like, oh, damn. And he, like, falls and, like, breaks the bottle and, like, cuts his hand and flees. Yeah. 
like what a yeah what a scene like that was so good yep nice okay on effects we're we're doing it um do you, you thought i was gonna go real hard on it i thought you were yeah because I, I know that you the 70s blood effects can be jarring for people who aren't used to them and you did have a problem with it but it the fact that you also enjoyed the preacher design is more than a balance so happy to see it uh oh, i mean i it's unbelievable i i mean it's so, remarkable that it was in the 70s oh yeah it's it's so good like yeah again like the fact that there wasn't a sequel to this is a crime against humanity <laughs> so yeah like uh, after effects we go to the music and also sound design which i think it's important to make that distinction in this case because i feel like one of those things is very strong in this movie and one of them is uh completely out of place yeah which one's that <laughs> i think it's, I don't usually take the lead on the music and sound. This is weird. No, you should do it. You uh, should do it. I think the music is totally out of place. The fact that it did, did music for Winnie the Pooh probably explains it. It sounds like he was doing something totally different than the tone of the movie needed. But, yeah, I felt like I was going through the forest to get honey. <laughs> it's like that. Like whenever, like uh, whenever Bunky was going on his walk to get his whiskey or do his wine from that construction site, and it sounded like it was like. <laughs> It was like whimsical, like goofy music. I'm like, what are you doing? But the sound design, like the general sound, I think is amazing. Like the sound of the um, the creature of the Slithis eating people is so mm-hmm. visceral and like, uh, like, like the sound of it, like munching on flesh. It was like, how can you on one hand have someone be doing like the audio work on that? And then also have like Steve Zuckerman's like weirdly woodwind filled like score going in the background. I do not understand how these two things can work together. I agree with you. I I, I think that I just it it was almost like the bunky scene too. Oh, just man, I, I don't know what they were thinking. I, I just don't get. I don't. I don't understand. I don't know what they're doing. I never know what they're Why, doing. I, I couldn't even. I, I'm trying to even piece together like okay, like it because there there are. So this is what seventy eight, yeah, yeah. So like Carpenter was like the, the the electronic music was around, right? Um, you know, there was a lot of like menacing tones and stuff. Like there are certain like minor keys that you could play in that sound better. Uh, I think just using the clarinet for me was just too much. I, I and I, I will I, give I will give credit for some of the stings. Like there were some stings with strings yeah, yeah, that like, worked great. really well. And it's like, it's like in those moments, they knew the movie that they were doing, <laughs> but like yeah. so much of it is like, what do you, what do you think you're making here? Like, I don't understand what you're thinking about <laughs> with this. Who do you think you are? Who do you, who do you think you are? <laughs> the audacity. Why do you do the things that you do? <laughs> yeah. But again, the sound though, like this, like, I don't know, the, like the munching on the flesh thing, like, and the, the done scene, like really got to me. So that almost salvages a bit of this, but like that music is so out of place. So that's why I'm actually going to defer to you on this. Whatever you say will help influence what I am thinking. I I think it's a B because the the music wasn't bad. It just wasn't. And I know we, we really hammered on another one. Uh, I can't remember when it was about this exact same topic, but I I think it's gotta be B because like, again, it wasn't, I get it. There was a few scenes that were so out of place that it just took it away from me. But again, then it comes in with like all the Foley work, all the the sound. I, I think they recorded a lot of the sound live too. Like it wasn't, I don't think they did it post. 
Um, so, and, and another thing, the, the scene with, uh, Aaron, Dr. Aaron, like how that was filmed was mic'd like perfectly. Yeah. Like the audio on he's that. He's so soft spoken and they were able to capture that with him talking and trying to be like reserved and stuff like, so. Yeah. The idea that his voice draws you in. And I'm sure the point of that is mm-hmm. when you see his face and it's like, Oh wait, <laughs> that's messed up. But yeah, yeah. I, I really liked the, like the mixing. Yeah. Of the, of the audio is so good in this. It's, it's really just the music that is the, the downward part. And like you said, it's not always bad. Like it sometimes gets what it's going for. And sometimes it makes choices that are weird, but interesting, but a lot of times it just feels out of place. So I'm actually, I'm happy with a B. B is, is fine by me. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think you, you, again, the music was terrible. Cause like we, we like hammered on that before and I'm trying to be fair. Um, we dropped a letter grade because of it. And I think that's, that's kind of where we were. If this, you know, I think it, it coming out a, if it would have been like theme appropriate, I think this would have, this probably would have skirted as one of our better movies. Like we skirted by with a almost perfect. Yeah. If it had, if it had, a, a um, what March of the killer clowns or something moment, yeah. but, right. or like a pale moonlight moment from howling too. We don't actually like that one, but. But yeah, yeah, okay, so we're doing B for the uh, music and sound. That brings us to the cult factor. It's A. It's got to be A. It always was. It always is going to be. Always will be. <laughs> what, like, this is such a, uh, a interesting little movie, and I don't think it gets nearly enough of the attention that it deserves for what it's up to. So I will cult factor it all day. I'll sing it on the mountaintops. Slithus, baby. So what do you know? Why wasn't this more popular? I'm just curious because this is like, a, like a lot of boxes are checked. Is this because it was in the 70s? I really have no idea. It is riding on like that 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 post Jaws sort of like maritime creature feature sort of thing, and it's not mm-hmm. the last of that ilk. Like you're gonna get some Roger Corman productions throughout the early to mid 80s. Like it just keeps happening, and I just assume. Mm. maybe it was just a one too many and it was super low budget. I want to say that like the budget was like a hundred thousand. That was it. Uh, that's what I saw on IMDb, which again, like Damn. this movie's so obscure that it doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So I have to rely on only the pages that I have. for it. I just, I, then this is for sure call factor because like the fact that there was no money put into it, there's hardly anything like written about it, but at the same time, like it's very well known amongst the community. I I would say, look, it has its own merch. So if that says anything, so it's gotta be good. Yeah. But no, I still, yeah, I'd say for cult factor a definitely like, there's no question. And honestly, that kind of brings us to our final little category. Oh, our little section here, which is, the Dated into something totally different. Scientists named this organic mud Slithus. What? For the same reason your parents named you Jeff. Who knows? This air horns. Uh, so the D roll, as uh, everyone knows, this is where we uh, put our last little hat on a hat, one last little category to tie everything up with a bow. 
uh, where we determine if this movie is a cult classic, a B movie, grindhouse, or trash. And hopefully we never do trash on this thing. Uh, one can hope. <laughs> yeah, one can hope. Hopefully can we, we don't stumble into that. <clears throat> it's called classic. It's got to be. For it's sure. like so under, like underappreciated, un, like not well known. Like this is like, and unlike other movies we've done where it was a find for me, I knew about Slithis for a while. I've known about this movie. Like I've seen it and I've loved it. And like rewatching it through the lens of what we're doing here with this podcast has just like reaffirmed my love of this movie and made me like ask those questions. Like, why isn't this a bigger, well-known cult movie? Like, why is this so underappreciated? I don't know. I really don't have an answer for that, but it's got to be cult classic, right? It is. I think what's tough about this movie, there are a lot of pacing issues in the beginning like there's there's a lot of story they're trying to build in character like they're trying to make you care about some of these people but it never pays off in fact i think it has the opposite effect of what they were trying to accomplish you know but you hit the midpoint of this movie it's like rock and roll it's ready to go and and it's not a very long movie either so like this is a this is a very good you know i think if this is like ah, i don't know what to watch i have a couple hours on a saturday this is a good like movie to throw in yeah i want to say like 88 minutes cleanser. like yeah, an hour twenty eight, like something like that. Yeah, it's really that's short. without cre- that's with credits too. Oh yeah, it's like full on like the full thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're probably talking sixty five, seventy minutes. I don't know, maybe seventy five. It says, it, it says eighty eighty six uh, total because yeah. it's um, uh, an hour twenty six minutes. So yeah, yep. real short movie, really short. Yep, and it and it delivers. Um, again, I just think. Th- like if you were sitting in a theater trying to watch this, like I, I, the beginning part of it would be for me, would be hard for me to like, want to keep continue watching it. Oh man. Um, I would love to see this in theaters, dude. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Now I think for sure. Um, but I think like going back to like that time period with all the stuff that was coming out around that time, like it just doesn't, didn't stand, you know, that's well what I, I, what I think too, is like, we, we think of things, in our modern era, like in terms of like what can what can be a marker of success for a movie, like yeah. in the era of streaming is so different than it was back mm-hmm. then where you had to go to the theater to see it. Like yep. every movie was in the theaters and its success was basically that. Like this is probably like before even VHS was started. It was probably right when VHS was starting to become a thing. So it could probably have recouped its like budget maybe with VHS sales later. I don't know if it had any success in that way. But like this was like even probably early days of VHS before like that home market even became a thing, like the rental market. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's just like probably just a probably part of its time. It's been mostly forgotten, but that's why we're here. We're here to give the world slit this. So through looking at this movie and having it up and they're they're on eBay. There's an uncut version, I think, which makes no sense to me. So I'm going to, I want to look more into that. If there is an uncut version, I am buying it. <laughs> so yeah, it is I, on I would need to know more about that. <laughs> like, yeah. And like the fan art that's come out for this after like, I mean the cover. Okay. Let's start the, the cover of this movie. Awesome. I love the, I love the writing, the orange The like you like the, the tagline. <laughs> I love it. I, everything about it. It's, it's fantastic. Hell hath no fury. <laughs> like, like Slithis. 
Yeah, but then you look at the the fan art of like the Godzilla esque like artwork that's for Slithus. Like, there's so many cool. Um... Actually, speaking of that, uh, that's another thing this movie had to compete with is another nuclear induced monster, right? Yeah, but like Slithus is a little more low key in terms of like it's, you know, <laughs> radiation based. Uh... Yeah, but if you're if you're a kid and you had you can go to one movie. Because yeah, it's all the money you had. Are you going to pick Slethus or Godzilla? Uh, but this was like the interim period after the release of Terror of Mecha Godzilla and before the release of uh, Return of Godzilla. So there's actually kind of a drought in Godzilla-based stuff. When was Return? 82 or 84? 84. But 84. It, it didn't come out in the United States till 85 because that was when it was released mm. as uh, Godzilla mm. 1985. Gotcha. And then Terror of Mecha Godzilla was 75. So it would have been, you know, three years before this. Yeah. Okay. So there was actually like a a good good place for some atomic based monsterdom. <laughs> some atomic horror. Some atomic horror based monsterdom. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, uh, I think we did it. I think we, we did, did the it. thing. We've re- we've rehabilitated uh, the idea of Slithus. We've brought it to the yeah, world just... again so that people can once again enjoy Slithus. I can't believe it. this should be more popular. And we're trying to do the Lord's work of getting, uh, getting Hail Slithus out there. Hail Slithus. Um, so, well, what do we got going on next? I know uh, we had some discussion prior to recording. I, we both were pretty quick to pick this one, so I'm pretty excited to to dive into this. Why don't you uh, give us a little teaser? Are you talking about our ne- Are you talking about our next movie? Yeah, next movie. Yeah. We are going to be do, uh, staying in the 70s and also specifically actually staying in 78. <laughs> but um, we're going to be staying in 78 and staying with uh, water-based uh, creatures. And we're going to go with Piranha, the Joe Dante original, the very oh, the very first of the Jaws ripoffs. Um, <laughs> it is... So it is widely available. Obviously, it's on Tubi. It's on uh, what I'm showing it on um, Roku Channel, Shout Factory, Screenbox, uh, Pluto TV, Plex, Peacock, some other stuff that I don't even recognize. Hoopla, Crackle, Amazon Prime. Although Amazon Prime, I'm always careful about because I don't know if that necessarily means that rent or yeah, it's to rent or not. Um, But yeah, so but make sure when you click on it, especially on Tubi, that you're picking the 1978 version because there is um let me see there's one that came out yeah there's one that came out in 95 and then there's uh which i think has one of the baldwin brothers in it like i think it has one of them in it something like that but then there's also um the piranha 3d remake from like 2010 which while it's a fun little movie on its own not this one it's not our project here so <laughs> make sure you're doing the joe dante 1978 piranha so let's go back to 1978 and back to water-based villainy good old creature feature we love it we love to see that love, it. love to see it little like what better time than january to do like a yeah water-based uh monster films when we're literally it's like 15 degrees outside right now yeah nothing screams uh creature feature like a frozen lake there you go so uh you kind of brought up like some housekeeping um we don't have uh, a lot going on different like uh, you know same kind of stuff every week um 
You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, X. We have a website uh, where Stefan just posted or like the the Godzilla minus one review just came out. It's very good. Um, I, you know, I won't make him toot his own horn, but it's a great review. Uh, it has a lot of uh, introspective on um, hope and despair. So I think you should uh, give it a read. And you can find that at dynamismedia.com. And yeah, it's a good all, movie. All, yeah, it, it, I, I really want to see it. Uh, now that there's a black and white one, I'm going to be all over that. Is it coming to the row house or where is it coming? It is going right now. The only places I saw it were uh, the AMC waterfront, like the AMC Lowe's at the waterfront. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's also coming to the Cinemark and Robinson. I'm hoping that it might come to the Cinemark in North Hills. But if it doesn't, yeah. the probably the best option for you and I to get together to see it would probably be the waterfront. Um, really? No way. Yeah, because it's closer to you than Robinson. Yeah, I hate that. I hate the waterfront. Um, all right, we'll figure. Definitely. No, not you're right though. The, that, that definitely that not is a close. discussion for the podcast. These people. No, don't we should air out our laundry. Where we are. We should. Yeah, we should. We should dox ourselves on. On. Uh, well, to be fair, most of people listen to us are our friends. So that's vags. Yeah, and they and might actually want to come live. with us when we go to. See yeah. It. Right. True. Um, yeah. Tweet but, us or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So but a reminder: it's the dark side drive-in on Instagram, and it's yep. just dark side drive-in on x twitter x twitter yeah so those are the couldn't keep the consistency going it's a you know what? it's hard out there well actually there's a story behind that because both of which the names are taken on either platform like you know who are these imitators who are these people i don't know because you go to their things and it's just locked like someone just thought that was a cool name and kept it and it's just a picture of them when they're like 12 those jags shit yeah they don't deserve so it. I'm also yeah, then, writing. Oh, yep, sorry. Go ahead. No, good, good. I'm also writing a review on um, uh, suitable flesh, the Joe Lynch movie with uh, Barbara Crampton, Heather Graham. Uh, yep. It's been I saw it on on demand a while ago, and now I have it on Blu-ray. But it's also coming to Shutter. So since it will be more widely available for people who presumably like to watch horror movies, um, I think <laughs> a good it'd be a good time to drop a review on that. So I'm putting my finishing touches on it. I'll probably have it to you around the time this episode drops, and then hopefully it'll get posted shortly thereafter. Yeah, and then uh, we're doing that review coming up soon, hopefully like next week maybe, um, or the week after. For Older Gods? For Older Gods, yep. yeah. yeah. And, and then we're still working on the other show, uh, hoping to have a February release, maybe March. So we'll see, depending on recording, what's going to take a little bit more um a little bit more production. I think we we're planning on doing that one in person, I think maybe. So we're just trying to work through the logistics. Uh, but yeah, um, that's all I had. I don't know if you had anything else. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that should be enough. Enough of the old slith No new metal jokes or nothing like that. Uh, I don't think slith is a new metal type of critter. Apparently he is a, uh, freestyle jazz type of critter (laughs) yeah the music the music this one might be weird guys i apologize so by now you would have already heard most of it so he really loves george gershwin yeah he just loves the clarinet (laughs) just get me some get me some clarinet some really sad city music this dude's like waiting in line for the next kenny g album to drop yeah right really yeah maybe it is kenny g (laughs) he absorbed what he needed to to survive oh no and it was a clarinet. He's a slithers. 
Uh, well, I've been Shane. And I have been Stefan. Hail Slithis. Hail Slithis. Pick him up in the water <laughs> with Slithis. See what you can do with that one, editor man. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> Alright, bye. Bye.